Order like a saint at Raising Cane's with tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade. You can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. (laughs) Official chicken finger of the Saints. That way we can let in Bill WD-40 to lube us up for tonight's show because you never want to go into a show rough. You always want to go in nice and smooth. Yep, that's what bill does he loops it up for us all right neil warden you're early good ha- good morning to you my fellow commonwealther all right hey want to remind everybody may 10th through 12th 2024 you can book your tickets now we're putting the schedule together for the third annual fan party in reno nevada so make sure you get that on your schedule Okay, uh, W. Decker, what's going on? Miss Tessa Marie, welcome to SOR Chat. And who else do we have here? Severin Shot, what's happening? And let's see, Susan Alloway has returned. And don't forget, you can head to our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. We do not have ugly swag, people. We have nice stuff that you'll actually want to wear out. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can follow us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a major show for you tonight as we are joined by Mr. Sam Sheeran talking the darker side of art and the supernatural, combining two loves of his. Then in Hour 3, we have a great story from Among the Missing and Steve Stockton. Robin Haynes comes in with the cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night, and we've got the weird news of the week as well. Mr. Sam Sheeran is a Liverpool-born British dark artist, specializing in the unexplained horror and science fiction. His work often includes elements inspired by ancient cultures, folklore, legend, and the occult. Sam has created artwork for a variety of clients in both the music scene and in the world of comic books and graphic novels, creating album covers, merchandise, and comic book covers for a variety of clients. You may recognize some of them. In our zone... Shannon Legro, David Weatherly, Lon Strickler. In the music zone, how about this list? James Charles Miller, Rob Zombie, Slayer, Ministry, Ramstein, Filter, Iron Maiden, Kiss. Oh, yeah, it goes on and on. 
Oh my God. My kid is still freaking out after meeting it or seeing Eddie for the first time during Iron Maiden last week. Well, we got to bring him on. And I got to tell you from a personal level, I have been following Sam's work for about five, six years. And you know, the guy is incredible. Nobody should be this talented. It should be illegal. He should be in jail right now for being this talented. And I'm excited that he's coming on Spaced Out Radio for the first time ever. Sam Sheeran, welcome to Spaced Out Radio. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Dave Scott. How you doing? Thanks for the invite. I love the show. I've been listening for a little while now. And um, yeah, here I am. I'm on it. I'm, I'm so glad you're here, my friend, because very few people in life get to do exactly what they want to do in life. You you have a passion for art. You have a passion for history, museums, nature, and, of course, music and, and legends and folklore. And you have been able to create a niche for yourself that very few have been able to do that. Uh, so I'll ask you point blank, what's it like living a life that you've always wanted to live? Um, it's exhausting. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. It's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, um, it is living the dream. Um, and, and thank you for the warm words. I I really appreciate it when someone recognizes the amount of time and effort that goes into things, but that's the other, the other side of the knife really is there's not enough hours in the day. And when you get into a world where you're free to do anything, especially in the passions that you're interested in, those hours go very quickly because, of course, time flies when you're having fun. And so there's never enough time in the day to complete everything I want to do. So it's it's exhausting because I don't really get my sleep. I guess the other thing, too, is when you're doing something like you're doing, whether it's album covers, book colors, you're also living by major deadlines. And sometimes some of those deadlines coincide with each other. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, if it's an album, uh, the record label will let me know when they're release date is and more often than not that cannot be moved you know uh, with an author there's usually a sort of a a window area where they said that you know they will say they'd like it to come out in spring perhaps but you know that's very easy to work with um particularly you know great authors like david weatherly and ken gerhard you know working with those people they're giants in their own right and it's nice to sort of be on the same playing field where we can be very comfortable in arranging when things are going to be done but as you say with an album cover or uh, a tour for a band that's coming up and they need a tour poster or merchandise for that tour it's very tight so quite often i'll have to push things to the side or i'll simply have to walk away and say you know i love the band but i don't have time wow wow i mean how did i mean how do you get to know you're not really meeting the music stars you're meeting more their their team that's that's actually you know trying to put together concert shirts and labels and album covers and everything like that but i mean how does that happen how did they approach you how did that start well you'd be surprised it is actually a little of both um i will have phone calls with you know the the band members it's usually the singer that will be the the brainchild of how they want things to look um but uh when it comes down to actually putting the the packaging together they'll usually then hand me over to someone who works at the label for me to get the templates to do the layout for the album and that kind of thing but um from the get-go usually it begins with either me reaching out to them because i like the band um and it's usually a sort of a you know, it'll be a, a month or go by and I'll think, hmm, 
like to do some album work. So I'll find a band I like and I'll reach out to them. Or in a position where I am now, I've worked with with so many bands that um, in that world, they all tend to know each other as well. So my name has floated around for quite a while now in that sort of um, region of creativity. And so I, I'm one of the uh, the names in the bag, so to speak, that people will pull out and say, oh, you should get Sam to do this. Right. Um, so quite often I'll, I'll just get a phone call out of the blue and they'll say, hey, we need an album sleeve. Are you, are you interested? Um, and it is a case of now I live in Los Angeles. Um, you know, for the first part of my career, I was still living in the UK, but I've been out here for, you know, on and off around 15, 16 years now. And so living in Hollywood, it's so much easier to sit down at the table and have a coffee with someone and and, and save time, basically. Because in England, as, as much as what I do, I can work from anywhere in the world. It's fine. We have this yeah. wonderful internet age. It's so much easier to sit down with someone in person and say, hey, what do you think of these sketches? And then they can doodle on the page as well and say, well, I, I was thinking this. And then it saves me such a headache. And there's no back and forth of emails for 60 emails, you know. Yeah. Um, Cause that's tiring. <laughs> what, what's it like when you're sitting across a table from somebody you've admired since a teenagehood and they're asking your opinion on art. I mean, that has to be pretty incredible all of a sudden, you know, whether it's, you know, somebody as legendary as kiss or iron maiden. And all of a sudden here you are, kind of saying, well, this is kind of what I'm feeling and what combining ideas for something beautiful. Yeah. It's a, it's a, has a great question because it's always been the case um, with all teenagers, you know, you're a fan of a band, you, you go to the show, you'll hang around outside after the show to meet the band. Um, and I, I've done it. I still do. I'm, you know, I'm in my forties now and I still do that. Um, and in England, it was, lucky if the band from america was touring and would you know be playing a show in your town and if if they did and usually that town would be an hour or two's drive away you'd go to the show sometimes if it was a band um that i really liked if it was typo negative from new york if they were in town which usually was around once every three years then i would get there before they arrived and help them load in i'd see the sound check and get to know them that way and then you know see the show hang out afterwards and it was all great and i've i've got photographs from my teenage years um every time they were torn you could see us all getting older in the photographs it's quite funny um but then i get to the position where i'm now where you know i used to have a poster on my bedroom wall when i was at university of rob zombie and then these days my artwork's now in his album sleeve um and meeting the chap i met him a couple of times he's he's a really nice guy and they all have these personas and these sort of this presence of evil and these this monstrous imagery but deep down they're all really just obviously they're just people um and they all have interests just as we are interested in monsters and the unexplained so are they um they just take it to the next level and to be working in that world whether it's filter with richard patrick who used to be in nine inch nails um again a huge fan of that world and now to to sort of sit in his studio and just you know have a coffee it's crazy or al jorgensen from ministry another crazy individual crazily creative absolute genius when it comes to constructing music um his vision alone is it's bar none you know one of the pioneers of industrial music if not the pioneer 
Um, I, I went out and saw him in El Paso maybe 10 years ago and stayed at his place at his studio. And this is a, an industry giant. And uh, I was invited to just stay and work on some artwork for the band and for him. And, uh, and he'd drive, you know, in his charger to the store. And, and there I am sitting in the car with him thinking to myself, how did I get here? This is so weird for a little kid from England to be a fan of these bands to then suddenly just be, you know, oh, we've run out of milk. <laughs> it's really, really strange. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's an eye-opener when you, when you do get older to sort of the, the fanboy aspect of it never goes away. You know, when you love a band and you love music um, or film uh, and, and authors and things like that, I'm always going to be starstruck. I'm always going to be uh, a big admirer of those fellow creatives. But now I'm in a position where I can see and talk to them on a, a more human level because I've seen the sort of the other side of Hollywood, the glamour of it it's sort of, it is a facade and it is an act mm-hmm. and it is, uh, it is not fake. It's just perceived differently. Um, it's not false. It's just seen through a different sort of, uh, lens, if you will, from England. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, Living the dream—it's it really is fantastic to get a, a phone call from someone, you know. So, and just pardon my interest in this because I know we got to talk some woo here. But uh, you yeah, know, what's it like when all of a sudden, you know, somebody calls you up and how does that work? Do they say, "Hey, you know, we're we're looking for something a little decadent for our album cover or the sleeve inside the album"? You know, what do you think about robots and AI and? and hot women and you know i mean how does it kind of work <laughs> um it's different every time you know it is uh i hate ai by the way uh I just so have to I. throw that in there it, it's the curse it's it's awful i've never used ai and i don't intend to i think it's uh you know it's a little gimmick that people use if they can't actually be bothered to learn themselves, but there you go. I'm sure it's brilliant for the medical industry and research, but not for art, not for music, not for writing. <laughs> I don't like AI, that's for sure. Um, but uh, it is different from client to client when they say, you know, oh, we this is the theme of the album. Here's the name of the album. They'll send me, uh, they'll trust me, and they'll send me the album to listen to. So quite often I'll be listening to it while I'm sketching out the initial ideas or getting a feel for what it's about. And then I'll email them back and I'll say, you know, what do you think of this idea before I even put a pen to paper? And more often than not, they'll, they'll just trust me and they'll say, okay, whatever you want to do, just do it, which I prefer because there's nothing worse than someone holding your hand, um, you know, like paint by numbers or something. Yes. Or they, you know, if someone treats you like an interior decorator, that's, I don't want to work with them. That's the worst. Right. And it's not about being pretentious or blowing your own trumpet or being big headed or anything. It, it's, I said to my manager earlier, it's, you know, it's a case of if you like what I do, Hire me to do it. Don't babysit me. I hate that. That's the worst thing any client can ever do is babysit an artist. It's so insulting. You know, the way it feels or a song feels, it really sets the tone for what you're going to do. I know like when I approached Ron Bumblefoot Thal about using Little Brother as watching, I had met him once. Once. I partied with him in his tour bus for four hours one night in Vancouver after I had just seen him three weeks previous in his final tour with Guns N' Roses. And 
I remember um, saying, hey, you know, this was a Twitter conversation uh, in a DM. I said, hey, you know, I'd really, really love to use one of your songs for my for my online radio show because we were just, I don't even think we were on a radio station back then. And and I said, what do you think? And he, he loved the idea. We came to an agreement, and it was him That's cool. who uh, picked out Little Brother is Watching. And if you listen to the lyrics of everything that he is talking about, I mean, it couldn't suit this show. The sound and the lyrics couldn't mm-hmm. suit this, sh- this show any better. I mean, you, when, when you feel it, you feel it. And it's got to be the same way for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Ron. Um, I've known him for, for a number of years. I've done artwork for a few bands that he's been on as a guest. Yeah. Um, uh, he's a lovely man. He's, he's a beautiful, absolute man. genius. Absolute genius. Um, underrated, unsung hero. Uh, super nice guy, yeah. Um, how, do I, how do I feel about, you know, do I... Uh, it, again, it's different from album to album and from client to client. You know, if it's... Um, Generally, we're talking heavy metal and rock. You know, for people who don't listen to that, to them, they probably all sounds the same. But as you know, every band is completely different in terms of the message they're trying to convey, unless they're just an angry band, um, which is okay too. You know, I, I like Cannibal Corpse as much as the next guy. But when there's a, a meaning and a message in there and there's a theme and a concept, it really it does help when the lyrics are... Um, let's just say, uh, a little different to the norm. If there's something that's never been said before, or even in a certain way, Filter's a good one for that. They're a very emotional band. They're mm. very in tune with how people should feel. Um, and they cover things that don't really, you know, appear that often in rock and metal. You know, they'll, they'll sing about a situation in life, but they'll spin it and, and make it sound like it's about something else. And it's very, very clever. It's hard to sort of translate those things into imagery, unless, of course, you have a discussion with the band. But as I said, for the most part, I'm usually just given the reins and trusted, which is nice. Um, it's nice to sort of have the freedom and say, you know, this. <laughs> I hope you like it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but this is this is what I've done. You know, how did you get involved with the Woo? Oh, that's that goes back to childhood. I mean, everybody says that, don't they? It's uh, it's always since childhood is is what everybody says, but it's true. It's um, I think I was we were saying before we uh, went on air that um, some people either have it or they don't in terms of they'll they'll sense the strange and the weird and the unexplained or they'll notice things, whereas other people won't. Um, and I think I'm just one of those people. As much as um, I have a, a a career in art and design and illustration because I see the world in a different way. And my hand-eye coordination is trained over, you know, decades now. Um, I think it's the same for people who have that sixth sense or seventh, eighth, or ninth sense of whatever it is. It's not any one thing you can put in a box, but you know it's there. There's a difference to you from other people. Um, And you'll spot something that other people won't see, whether it's a coincidence or a series of coincidences. And some people say there's no such thing as that, but if you get with me, it's a sort of a knowing you'll spot it. It'll jump out. Whereas people won't even notice it on the street. So for me, um, I'm one of those people much like yourself where it all stemmed from childhood. Things were strange. Things would happen. I'd see things that, you know, most 
parents would brush off. Um, but not my mom. <laughs> no, uh, she she encouraged uh, my interest in natural history, um, very much nature. Grew up on the edge of a forest in England, uh, and I would be uh, taken to museums up and down the country as a kid, uh, standing underneath giant dinosaur skeletons. That was a real influence, you know, real monsters that did exist. Um, and then you read about, you know, Loch Ness, or you'll see a TV show about Bigfoot. And um, those things seem a million miles away. But uh, when you start to sort of read the accounts as though this isn't Lord of the Rings, this isn't the Chronicles of Narnia, people have seen these things. Then my interest starts to peak up uh, as a kid. And, and then I'm, I'm reading more about, well, hang on, where are these things happening? Where are people seeing these things? Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the experience I had that really kind of solidified an interest that something else is going on. There's another layer to reality around us, whatever that may be, was um, when I was seven years old. Um, and I had a, a, I don't know what it was, whether it was <laughs> something from a do- another dimension, a ghost. I th- at the time, I thought it was ghosts, and, and I, that's what I call it. I don't know what it was or is, but um, as I say, I was in uh, in a house with me and my mom. Um, my aunt and uncle had come to visit. They were downstairs. I was sent to bed at about 10 o'clock, which, you know, being seven years old at that time, it was sort of, right, okay, it's bedtime. You know, off you go. But I was wide awake because my uncle was visiting and I was excited and I, I was wide awake. I didn't want to go to bed, uh, but that was it. You know, chop, chop, time for bed. And uh, it was a small house, so I could hear people downstairs. I could hear the television. I could hear people talking. It's game day at Raising Cane's. If you want to order like a saint, it's the action off the field you need to focus on. The only play you're running is chicken. So what combo are you picking? Make it a perfect season. We've got tailgates of hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade, all available to order online or on our app. This season is about to be unbeatable. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Official chicken finger of the Saints. I just got $100 cash back for having direct deposit this month. I got an extra 100 bucks using Bill Pay last month. Well, aren't we smart? <laughs> With Keesler Federal's member give back, it pays to be a member. You know, the clinking of glasses and laughter. And I just wanted to be downstairs. So there I am, seven years old, wide awake. And the whole light is on because as a kid, I'll, you know, I'll admit it, I was not comfortable in a closed door, dark room. You know, I would always have the bedroom door wide open with the hall light on. Uh, but my bedroom's in the darkness, of course. So um, a moment goes by and my aunt and uncle, are, you know, they come upstairs to sort of say goodnight. They're stood in the doorway. And with the hall light behind them, they're silhouetted, you know. So uh, I say, oh, good night. Uh, I know you're leaving early in the morning, so I'm not going to see you. Um, thanks for the dinosaur book, and, you know, I'll see you next time. Um, good night. And they didn't answer me. They just stood there. And so I sort of sat up in bed, and I said, well, good night, because I, I wasn't sure if they could hear me. And they didn't answer me again, and that's when I noticed they were a lot shorter than they should have been. Once I'd sat up, my perspective changed, and I thought, oh, God, they're not my aunt and uncle. And that's when they started to walk into the room and they walk across the room 
diagonally, not towards me, but they're coming closer. And it's as though they're entering the room, but they're not coming for me. And that's when I see that it's a little boy and it's a little girl. And they've got frilly clothes on. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds so cliche, but it re- they look like two little Victorian children. And at seven years old, I didn't know what that was, but that's how I described it. Um, and I didn't want to look at them. I was terrified. So I'm, I scream for my mom. And I grab my pillow and I, I throw it at them. And I look away and I look up at the ceiling because I don't want to look at them. And as I look up at the ceiling, and this is where it gets really woo, um, there is a soccer ball sized or a football sized ball of green flames, a, 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 a ball of fire. And it's the size of a soccer ball or a man's head. Um, and this ball of green fire is tumbling around in itself and it is going around all four corners of my ceiling around the room. And as I look up at it, it swoops down towards me so that I look away and look back at the kids, almost as though it was forcing me to look at them. And of course I I didn't want to. So I look back again and I see this thing flying around. It flies down at me. So I, I yell for my mom again. And I'm saying, you know, mom, she comes upstairs Stands in, in the doorway, looks around, runs into the room. We're going to get you to and, hold uh, on right there. Keep us in suspense. <laughs> Mr. Sam Sheeran on Spaced Out Radio tonight. If you haven't checked out his amazing artwork, you can at Sam, MrSamSheeran.com. Here we go. Our second half hour is next. What a cliffhanger. It's the way we do it. It's the <laughs> way we do it. I didn't know you knew uh, Ron. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a couple of years now. Um, yeah, since uh, just before his, his uh, maybe a year or two before his, his wife died, uh, I got introduced to Ron. Strickler or Bumblefoot? Oh, That's the question. Bumblefoot. Not not Ron, <laughs> Strickler. Ron. Bumblefoot. Thaw. Ah. Yeah, yeah. No, I met uh, Ron through um, a band called Plugin, I believe. He was on that. I forget. It's so long ago. We're talking maybe 15 years ago now. Um, And he's appeared on a number of albums where I've done the artwork. And I ran into him at the NAMM show in Anaheim, um, which is sort of the Comic-Con of the music industry. It's where they show off all the new instruments and equipment. So it's an entire convention center full of guitars and pianos and drums. And it's, uh, it's amazing. So you'll, uh, if you're in the industry, you can't, you know, you can't just go as Joe public. Um, but if you're in the industry or you know someone in the industry, you might be able to get a pass, uh, to walk in and have a look around at the equipment. And you'll see, um, Kerry King from Slayer just walking around or, you know, Tom Array or, You'll see uh, Stevie Wonder walking around, um, surrounded by people as he walks, you know, but uh, it's not uh, a giant crowd because everybody's in the industry and everybody respects each other. But of course, someone like Stevie Wonder, he's surrounded by at least 20 people as he walks through the place. Um, Legend. Oh, yeah. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I met uh, Bumblefoot there. 
yeah. um, for the first time. And we'd already corresponded back and forth a bunch. Um, so it was just nice to sort of see him in person, you know. And, uh, yeah. Such a nice guy. He is. He really is. Yeah, he's another one that doesn't tend to uh, stop. You know, he's always creating. He's always involved with something, and that's um, what's you know, amazing that's just for me. Living proof. What's amazing for me with him is, as talented as he is, it, he he doesn't care about being in that giant super band. You know, like they they tried yeah. it. They tried it with. Um, uh, Oh, not Art of Anarchy. What the hell is it called? Um, with Mike Portnoy on the drums and Billy Sheehan on, on bass and Jeff Scott Soto on lyrics and Derek Sherinian on keyboard. Um, You've lost me. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably know when you when you throw it at me, but uh, yeah. Now i got to go to I'm not... Uh, not a follower of supergroups, really. It's, I sort of miss those generally. I'm not. Uh, I don't buy magazines anymore. Sons of to. Apollo. Buy, you know. Sons of Apollo. They were called. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Vaguely, vaguely recognize the name. I can't say I know. Yeah. But uh, uh, sometimes it works. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Audio Slave worked. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Mike Patton's another one, another genius. Uh, met him a few times. He's a lovely guy. And he's, you know, he has about 20 million different bands and projects and side projects. And his vocal range is incomparable. Um, every style from death metal to, you know, opera. <laughs> um, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, every band that he touches, um, it's just something else, you know, whether it's his Faith No More, people will know him from mostly. Um, and Mr. Bungle, of course, and Phantomas and Tomahawk. And yeah. He did a, uh, just so many different solo things as well. Peeping Tom. Yeah. Mondo Kane. Ron uh, Bumblefoot actually came on here a few years ago, one Halloween night. Oh, um, nice. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, he actually told his story about when Sons of Apollo was playing in Plovdiv in the Czech Republic, how there was a ghost on stage and oh. it kept like Bumblefoot's guitar is set up never to go out of tune and his top string kept on popping out of tune and the keyboardist Derek had his, had his sunglasses smacked off the top of his head. <laughs> and Bumblefoot, uh, they were they were also doing a um, a few tribute songs. They were playing comfortably numb, and mm -hmm. uh, Bumblefoot actually got shoved down on stage. Wow! So was this a, a venue that was known to be haunted? Were yeah. they warned? Oh yeah, I know another guy, and who, then it just went off. I know wow. another guy who played there. One second, thank you, Jenny and Shaq for the super chats. Here we go with the next half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate 
you tuning us on in as we're having a great night tonight. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Artist, experiencer Sam Sheeran is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. You may not recognize the name, but you'll definitely recognize his artwork, especially on great books from everybody from David Weatherly to Lon Strickler and album covers and, and everything from Kiss to Iron Maiden. Yes, yeah, Sam has got his own experiences as well. And right before the break, you were talking about an experience back home when you were a kid. we got to get this story in, Sam. So here we are as we left off. What a cliffhanger. Um, so I scream for my mom, and she comes upstairs, and she's in the doorway. She looks around, and then she dives in the room, grabs me out of bed. Uh, we we go out the room, she slams the door and we go downstairs and we slept downstairs that night. Um, I was told it was a bad dream. Um, I was told that, uh, I had had too much excitement that day and that I had dreamt it and it was nothing and that to not talk about it. So it really bothered me because I, I knew something was going on. I knew I was awake. Um, but my mom got quite angry about it in a sense that uh, she, you know, that enough is enough. We're not going to discuss it. Um, stop being silly kind of thing. And so the day went on and, and that was that. Um, and then two, two years later, a year or two later, uh, we were at a sort of family gathering and I had something had come up about ghosts or something someone had mentioned. And so I took the opportunity to ask my mom and I said, hey, do you remember that night? What happened? Um, and she said, she said, okay, I'm going to say this, but you never to ask me again. She said, I, I went upstairs and I don't know what was happening in your room. I couldn't understand it, but all I knew was that I had to get you out of there and we're not going to talk about this again. And that was that. And to this day, she won't talk about it. Um, she has said uh, the only other additional thing she has said is the description that I gave the two children were sort of knickerbockers, fr- frilly clothes, and she said, you know, there's no way I could have come up with, with that and known what they were, <laughs> um, which I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I may have seen it on television, but um, I don't know if that was some mirage projection from an alien to, you know, hear some children to keep me calm. It didn't work. Or if they were genuinely ghosts, um, if it was a time slip, I have no idea. But it happened. My goodness. My goodness. Now, was that a first of many experiences that happened? Or was it yeah. something that just came out of nowhere? Yeah. It was um, I, I, It was one of many, but... Um, and we, we talked about this before the show. You know, when you have a strange experience, even if it's one... Your friends and family, um, unless they saw it too, 
will often sort of uh, make fun of you, or or they just or they'll just think that you're silly, or they're just they're genuinely not interested. And then that's okay, you know, that's perfectly okay. People shouldn't get hurt by those sort of uh, rejections in a sense, because, um, like we said earlier, I'm personally not a fan of sports. I'm not a sports person. I've no interest in it. So when someone tells me about the latest game uh, of their favorite team, I switch off. And I think it's the same with people and the unexplained. If they're just not interested and you tell them about something strange, in a sense, they can't hear you because they're not interested. So they'll tune out and then it, and they won't pay attention, just like me in sport. I just, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? So I think a lot of people are kind of ignored or scoffed at or, you know, doesn't matter, I'm not interested, don't talk about that kind of stuff. It never happened, that's ridiculous. But for the people that it does happen to, like myself and you and others and friends of mine, we sort of, we gravitate towards each other. Here we are tonight because of this reason, because we're all tuned to a certain way, as I said earlier, that we see things that other people don't see. And unfortunately, when you say that you've seen more than one strange thing, you do sound a little crazy. You do sound as though you're either uh, living in a world of make-believe um, as Homer Simpson would say, or you're just um, a little bit, you know, of a uh, a fantasist. You you have a great imagination, or you know, all these uh, labels that they'll throw on you. But when things genuinely happen, um, it's very hard to find people. Not not so much these days because we have the internet, but it's very hard to find someone that you can talk to. And I think a lot of people and a lot of stories have been lost over time because people are too afraid to share them. They're too afraid of being locked away or cut off or, you know, shunned. Um, but a number of things happened to me in that house um, that, you know, I, I do believe it was the area. I do believe it was the, the you know, the cliche, the ground it was built on. Um, it used to be the hanging capital of the UK uh, hundreds of years ago. Uh, people en masse were taken there to be hung. Um and the town was called Murdershaw. Uh, so not spelled the same way, but, um, you know, it's said the same way. And so it has all these sort of legends and, and talk of the town. There was a, a stagnant swamp in the middle of the forest that they eventually drained. But you would walk by it and it would absolutely reek of just the most putrid smells. Um, and my mom and, and other kids around the area, you know, they'd say, don't go near it because if you fall in, you're done for. Um, and years went by, and the, the uh, council eventually drained it. I think they were trying to spruce up the forest and make it sort of a, a national trust park kind of thing. So they drained the swamp, and um, they found hundreds of skeletons in there. Um, animals, of course, not people. Um, although we, I guess we wouldn't have been told, but um, they wanted to keep it a nice, happy, safe place. So there was a, a whole menagerie of missing pets and you know foxes and badgers and all kinds of birds that had just uh come to an untimely end in this swamp and had uh, essentially created this big putrid bog so i think that entire place was you know just seething in discomfort um, which probably played into a lot of what the area offered in terms of ghosts and things um i did see a a, a picture in a book, Move, um, that was 
probably one of the most frightening things I've ever experienced. And I, you know, I've been in a horrific car crash, and this was scarier. Um, you got to explain book, this one, man. <laughs> this was uh, a book on um, Hans Christian Andersen. And, uh, of course, they had uh, stories in there like the Snow Queen and Thumbelina and, you know, all these fairy tales. And so I'm looking at this hardback book, and I still have it. Um, and I open the first page. There's an illustration of the author himself. And he's sitting uh, on the grass underneath a tree, and he's sort of holding a book with a pen as though he's writing. And he's surrounded by fairies and gnomes and little creatures, frogs and hedgehogs and things. And uh, he's looking at the viewer. So he's looking at me while I'm looking at this sort of beautiful illustration of him. And I'd, I'd read some of his stories. I was familiar with some of them or whatever. And, uh, and I said to the book, I said to him, to his picture, I said, you're really quite clever, aren't you? You know, this is me at seven years old. I said, you're really quite clever, aren't you? And he nodded. And no. I, I slammed the book shut and I threw it across the room and it went sliding under a big wooden chest of drawers. And there it stayed for about a year or two. Oh, I, <laughs> I just did not recover that book. It lived under that wardrobe. And I used to get the most ominous feeling from that wardrobe anyway. It was as though the wardrobe had eaten it. Um, it sort of had a, a gap underneath at the base of this big old wooden withdrawals kind of thing. Um, chest of drawers type piece of furniture. And uh, it, it slid underneath it. And, and I was too scared to retrieve it because this picture of Hans Christian Andersen, he, with a little smirk, he nodded and, uh, and then went back to its original position of him just sort of sat there. And I got the fright of my life. Now, many people will say, well, you're just a born artist. You have an imagination. You're just prone to seeing things that aren't there and you, you know, you'll invent things and that's why you're a good artist. And they'll they'll kind of excuse those, those stories that I have. Um, but to me it happened. Uh, I don't think it was my brain playing tricks on me because what I was currently thinking of was, um, talking to him. So you may sort of excuse that and say, well, then you're probably imagining him answering you. That would be the, uh, the sort of explanation someone might come up with. But to me, I certainly wasn't expecting a bloody picture in a book to nod at me <laughs> and agree with a question, you know. And it hasn't happened since, so it was definitely that place. You have studied uh, all of the monsters that are out there, whether it's ghosts, whether it's UFOs. Alien Sasquatch. I know you've been lurking for Sasquatch in Oregon and other places. What scares you? What really freaks you out? Um, it's it's funny. I'm going to uh, one of these haunted um, mazes here in Hollywood over the Halloween season, and generally they don't scare me. Um, because I know the the actors who, you know, it's like a movie, you know, it might not be a scary movie, but if there's something that makes you jump, it's on purpose. So I'll fall for that. You know, if someone's around a corner and they jump out at you, of course you're going to be a little startled. But as a whole in general, I don't go in there scared. And monsters in general don't frighten me. What frightens me is not being in control of 
what's happening. And I think anyone can relate to that. Um, whether that's being in a car crash and spinning around on the highway, waiting for it to end and it not, you know, having any bearing on your ability to control it. You just, you have to just go along with it or whether it's being in bed and you have sleep paralysis and a big black shadow runs into the room and down the side of your bed and looms over you, which has happened to me twice, uh, only in the last five years, um, which is interesting because um, I think that may have something to do with age um, because I, I don't hear that from a lot of children, but I do hear it in middle-aged adults that have, um, we've got to the age where we're starting to really feel tired all the time. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate oh, yeah. to that. Anyone my age, you know, I'm 45. And so it's game day at Raising Cane's. If you want to order like a saint, it's the action off the field. You need to focus on the only play you're running is chicken. So what combo are you picking? Make it a perfect season. We've got tailgates of hand battered cooked to order chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade all available to order online or on our app. This season is about to be unbeatable. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. (laughs) Official chicken finger of the Saints. At Casper, we love all things sleep. So we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers, well, everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at Casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See Casper.com slash promo. When I wake up, even after a good night's sleep, I'm still tired. Um, And I think that's an age thing. And I think with your heart and your breathing coming to that middle age, I think things happen when you're asleep. This is my way of explaining things, but I think things happen when you're asleep that cause these um, sensations, hallucinations or whatever. And they all across the board, strangely, here's the weird part, do tend to have the same description. So some would argue in favor of the woo that, uh, no, it isn't a medical condition. Something's happening and these creatures are real. That, is the one thing that frightens me is um, not being able to move when when something's coming at you. Um, it's it's the uh, you can run away from someone in a costume wielding a chainsaw as scary as that is in a theme park. You know you can run away from someone in in a in a zombie costume or whatever. But when you're at home in your own home, which is supposed to be a safe space. There's nowhere to go to. You can't go home. You're in your own safe space. And so when something comes in seemingly through the wall or they just materialize from the shadows out of the darkness, you know, it all stems from that, uh, the monsters in the closet or under the bed or under the stairs or maybe tapping at the window from outside. It's that threat of outside that is ingrained in all of us. But when it actually happens and it's there, and it stood in the side of the in the corner of the room or at the side of your bed. Um, that's happened to me a lot. That happened in my twenties. There were shadow people in uh, my parents' own. I'm rambling here, but the, my parents own a, a building in England, a big old Victorian stone building, several floors. And in my teens and twenties, of course, I had girlfriends who would come and stay, and one girlfriend straight up just got up and left in the middle of the night because there was someone stood at the end of the bed and um, she said, that's it. I've got to go. <laughs> and um, it, it happened more than once to me. I'd wake up and, and of course, when you're in the dark and the lights completely off, you don't, you, you can't see, but you, when your eyes get adjusted, you'll see the chair in the corner. You'll see, 
you know, the cabinet with your, your record player on it or the wardrobe. Um, and so you can, and you know where those objects are. So when something's stood in the middle of the room or it's crouched next to the bed and it's looking right at you, but it's just a black shape, there's no face, there's nothing there, it's just a black shape, you know it shouldn't be there. And uh, I remember striking my arm out into the darkness towards this thing next to the bed and it seemingly sort of stood up and backed away as though to avoid my arm and disappeared into the darkness. And the thing stood at the end of the bed happened a number of times. And as I say, uh, one unfortunate girlfriend had had enough of it and decided to leave. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Talk about these shadow people. What do they look like? Well, that's the thing. They, they are simply an outline. They're simply... Um, a shadow, you know, it's, uh, if you imagine someone covered entirely in fuzzy felt of just entirely black, uh, or smoke. Um, and they seem to, it's one of those things where you'll see it out of the corner of your eye and, and a skeptic would say, of course, that's also a medically explainable situation where if you have a little bit of dust or, or there's something in your eye you might think it's something stood next to you. And, and if you look, it's gone because your train of vision will change. You'll blink and you'll maybe wash what's out of your eye. But when you look and it's still there, that kind of, you know, that blows that theory out of the water. Um, friends of mine have seen uh, what we would call mimics in that house, that same house, where one friend had seen me at the end of the corridor uh, just stepping into the kitchen and so they walked down to the kitchen to sort of, you know, talk to me, say, hey. And I wasn't there. And um, they walked all the way back to the lounge where I was sat watching television. And they said, how did you get here? Because there was only one way through. It was a, a one-room corridor, one door. And I said, I haven't been anywhere. I've been sitting watching TV. I've been waiting for you to come back. And they said that they had gone to the bathroom, which they had. And that they had seen me go into the kitchen, and of course they were white as a sheet. And I think I even remember saying, "You look like you've seen a ghost." But um, we call those mimics, and it happened with audio as well. I'd hear my name call, called from another part of the house, and I'd turn the television off, or I'd turn the music off that I was listening to while I was drawing or something. Because sometimes you'll hear your own name in, a, in a, an album. You know, you'll be listening to Pink Floyd or Black Sabbath, and you'll hear your own name. And, and uh, of course, it's just your mind playing tricks on you. But then you turn it off and you hear it again. That's not the record. That's something calling your name. And, of course, I've gone to another room and uh, there's no one there. Um, it happened to my girlfriend that uh, lived with me at the time. I was at work. I used to work at a design company. And uh, she had finished work for the day where she worked and she had come home. And she was on the phone to her sister in my little art room. I have a little art studio space to create in a spare room. And there was a telephone in there. So she was on the phone to her sister. And uh, she heard me knock on the wood door, big old wood door, before I came in the room. Because, um, you know, I would hear her on the telephone. And so she said, oh, come in. And, of course, I didn't. Um, and then there was a knock again. And uh, she said, uh, you know, come in shouted a bit louder and I didn't. And so she said to her sister, hang on a minute. I think Sam's playing a trick on me because I would actually play tricks. Occasionally I would, I would go and hide somewhere and it would be 
a, a little game I'd play because it was a massive house. <laughs> so she thought I was just doing that. And she looked all over the house, couldn't find me, and called me um, and said, where are you? I'm on the phone with my sister. You know, what, what are you doing? What are you playing at? And I said, I'm at work. <laughs> She's, she said, uh, you know, she thought I was joking. She said, no, you're not. What, what are you doing? This is not funny. And I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll be home in an hour. I've got to, you know, carry on with this. I'll talk to you later. And so uh, she said, well, can you come and meet me? I'll be at the cafe around the corner. And I said, okay, I'll be there. And uh, and I went, you know, to the cafe. She she just got up, got her coat and left the house. She just couldn't be in there um, because there was something mimicking. There was something pretending to do what I did or, or repeating things. And it was a strange place. So it wasn't just me experiencing things. And there's another example of, you know, it, it does tend to happen to the same person a lot, a lot of different things. But it will also happen in the same space to a lot of different people. Um, and the exciting thing is, is when it happens to people that aren't usually in tune to that. Do you think that maybe you have a spiritual doppelganger that's maybe following you? And, and causing it's, this? Well, uh, they do say if you meet your doppelganger, you're supposed to die. Um, so I hope I don't meet him. But um, I, I did work in a, a pub uh, in England for a, a year or so. And I was the manager behind the bar. And, and some chap came to the bar and uh, he was calling me Craig. And I said, no, 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 it's Sam. And... Uh, he was having none of it. He swore he had met me, he knew me, and that my name was Craig. So perhaps that was him. Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. we got about two and a half minutes before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. Mr. Sam Sheeran is our guest tonight. And, you know, I talking about shadow people, first time I saw one, I was driving home from work one night from the radio station, and... It was an Art Bell show where he was talking about shadow people. And I was, it was about 2005, and I was living in a basement suite at that point because my ex-wife and I had separated, and and uh, I, I was living close to my daughter, and I figured I'd get this basement suite. So I parked on the road, and then I had to open up a gate, walk along the side of the house, and then kind of turn to the left at the end of the house to go to my door, which was kind of in the middle. And at that time of the year, you had to be careful. Black bears, mountain lions, raccoons, you know, anything that could set off my sensor light. Well, when I came, opened up the gate, I noticed my sensor light was on. And so I slowly started kind of walking a little bit wide because I wanted to make sure that there was nothing there that was going to try and kill me. And as I rounded the corner, this very block-shaped shadow person was standing, staring at my door. And he was completely blacked out. He had just a round head. There was no hat, no features. You know, just like a child would draw like a block body. There was no hands. And the pants were like blocked rectangles as well, and there were no feet. And this thing turns and looks at me. And I'm like, 
are you serious right now? Like, I'm staring at this thing. And then it did a 180, and it ran right through a cement brick wall. And I was like, can you believe this? How in the hell did that just happen? And that was my introduction to shadow people being real. Thank you to Art Bell, who uh, freaked me out (laughs) about it. And then all of a sudden I'm manifesting this at my at my front door but man i've seen a number of shadows since then nothing as creepy as that nothing as creepy as that one but sam i'm gonna get you to hold on right there hard to believe we're already through an hour mr sam sheeran.com is his website where you can see his incredible artwork for t-shirts album covers book covers or maybe you just want something spooky for christmas or halloween Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Yeah, shadows. Fun? Yeah, this is uh, it's creepy. The shadow thing is, um, I mean, it's so across the board. Uh, yeah, there's so many people who describe the same thing. Oh yeah, but there's so few theories. You got that right. Dirty filth, we're going to bring you in here. I'm going to take a quick break. we got about five minutes, Sam, and I'll be right back. Uh, but Dirty sure. Filth, we're going to turn this over to you so that way you can kind of introduce your collage here. Wow. How you doing? He often forgets to turn his microphone on. <laughs> that, that's a fact. There I, he is. I often do that. What is going on here? I'm um, currently working on a, a little comic. Very cool. So this is the first first page. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's about gray aliens that try I to hatch that. plans, and their <laughs> plans always backfire. That's about oh, nice. most of it right now. Here's I'll give you cool. a, this is it. It starts at the bar. <laughs> Nice. That's a little Fresno uh, nightcrawler there. Yeah, and the old Mothman going for a pint. Love it. <laughs> a couple extra. Here, here's here's the nightcrawler and his girlfriend on a date. <laughs> Pants, of course. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's awesome. For the occasion. <laughs> yep. And then that's yeah, uh, it's all I got handy right now. Time, but. Oh. Very you cool. said you did uh, some stuff for ministry, eh? Yeah, yeah. The um, nice. the good old legendary ministry. A uh, number of albums. Um, I did the the full album package for Americant with three Ks that came out in 2018. It's the one with the Statue of Liberty on the cover, face palming herself. Um, and uh, I worked on. Uh, from Beer to Eternity, Alan Amato did the, the artwork and the photography and the, the package design for that. Um, and then I did the, the back cover. Um, he had done the photography, and I'd sort of pieced it all together and enhanced that. And uh, and then there was a live album, Last Tango in Paris, or Last Tangle in Paris. There we go. Um, and I did the artwork for that as well. So, yeah, that and a bunch of... T-shirts and logos, but I love ministry. 
Who doesn't love That's ministry? Super. Yeah, I'm, uh, they're coming to. I live in in Canada, and they're coming to Edmonton. So I'm gonna very cool next next no our February I think, and then Skinny Puppies here. November oh, nice! 4th. Brilliant. Yeah, there's another one. Legendary band. Oh yeah, the Pride of Canada, man. Yeah, <laughs> their, their original three guys were from Canada. Mm. I guess Bill Lieb is Canadian technically. But anyways, I'm rambling away. I apologize. That's all good. So you're a metalhead at heart. Uh, I like a lot of old industrial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like metal. I used to go to a lot of metal shows in Edmonton here back in the day. Seen, hung out with the Dead Jesus guys and Quietus and all these weirdos and everything. The and Dead Jesus stuff. guys. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty rowdy band back in the early 2000s. <laughs> the singer used to always, he's a, he still does like extreme wrestling and junk. Oh, and wow. So on stage, he'd get all barbed wired up and he'd be all bloody and everything. Oh, and my goodness. The very last show they did before they all went their separate ways at the, the Rendezvous pub. Let me guess. Legendary got, got Rendezvous. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, he didn't. But um, they had a whole bunch of like pig's blood and internal organs and a pig's head and the pig's head was making its of way course. around the mosh pit and everything. There was a big long table with drinks and all the stuff on it. And he's Calvin swinging his pig guts around and he throws the pig guts and it hits the table and slides across the table and clears the entire table off of all the drinks, oh, no. all, the, all the purses and phones and everything. <laughs> that was the end of that. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was incredible. And yes, anyways, that's a shame. I uh, was, uh, not going to experience that, I guess, ever, unless they do a reunion. I'm I'm boring and old now. I go to shows and it's like ten o'clock. I'm <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm at home in my jammy jams, with my cats, and yeah, yeah. My girlfriend, and... uh, yeah, my girlfriend loves um, deathcore, uh, really sort of heavy death metal kind of stuff and um a couple of bands that she loves were playing down uh in long beach near here and uh i went down and there was five bands playing and and to me it all sounded the same and so we got to the second band and she says oh there's three more bands after this and i'm thinking to myself (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) because as much as i enjoy it and i did you know i do i love those bands but i was just not expecting five of them Oh yeah, <laughs> that was the last show I went to was Front Two Four Two last oh, October. Cool. I never cool. thought I'd get to see them live, and they did their final North American tour. I got to see them, and I had to go stand wow. right at the front stage just yeah. because of, I, I never thought yeah. I'd get to see them live. And I get home, and my ears are ringing, and I'm all pouty, and Mrs. <laughs> Phil's like, "What's going on, sugar? Like, the ears are sore." All right, guys, we got 20 seconds left. Big thank you to Kira, Cat Chaser, Jenny, and Shaq for the super chats tonight. Thank you, everybody who's given us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, and our new subscribers. Don't forget, you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store and our website. We do not have ugly swag, people. We got good stuff there. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. 
and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Abasia. Abasia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon and set up yourself for the Space Travelers Club, just like free your mind in our chat room. All right, Mr. Sam Sheeran is here. He's an artist. He's an enthusiast, he's an experiencer of the unknown, and we are getting into his stories tonight. Sam, I know you love Sasquatch. You've been out looking for Sasquatch. Have you seen the big guy yet? I have not. Um, I may have heard one um, up at Ape Canyon, of all places, Um, but I've never seen one. I've never seen one. Uh, I went, I think the last time I was at Willow Creek out in California was, um, last January. Uh, and we had been driving back from Oregon and decided to go through the mountain range, um, and down through Willow Creek. And I called the, uh, the Bigfoot hotel, you know, before setting off, um, because me and my girlfriend said, you know, Hey, wouldn't that be a great idea to just stay in Willow Creek? And then we can look around in the morning. Um, and so we did. Uh, I called the, the Bigfoot motel and reserved a room and, um, little tiny little wooden sort of motel, uh, nothing five star. Even the woman on, on the end of the phone said, don't expect anything special. Um, and I said, no, 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 it's great. I just want to stay there, you know? And she said, I don't even know if the roads open. Of course it was still winter. This is January. Um, she said, there's been rock slides. Uh, they've closed off certain areas. There's no street lights. Um, it's just a winding road through the, the side of a mountain in the, the redwoods, uh, in the forests for miles and miles and miles. So we drove, I think it was seven or eight hours in the dark. We thought we're just going to do it. And we did in this little, um, Pontiac, (laughs) little white Pontiac vibe. And, uh, my girlfriend was driving. I don't know how she did it, Um, but she's amazing. And uh, we went through the the winding road. You know, part of it was it was like Indiana Jones. You're on the edge of a cliff, looking down into the darkness. There's rock slides, and we're navigating our way around these boulders that had slid onto the road. Thankfully, we could still get through, because of course you you know you then have to find a spot to turn around and go all the way back again, and. We, as I say, spent hours and hours and hours in the dark driving slowly because it was treacherous. And we saw. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So, why are you still taking vitamins in pill form that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if you don't have trouble swallowing, most vitamins in pill form can't be absorbed very well. 
it's time to upgrade to the pill-free future of vitamins. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created a patent-pending ingestible gel that is clinically proven to have 265% the absorption rate of tablets. These physician-formulated supplements come in a small gel pack. You tear off the top and shoot it down. You can also mix it in water. They taste great, they're convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code UPGRADE for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L.com. Walter Brown here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital in Biloxi. If you have concerns about your child, reach out to Ocean's Biloxi today. Kim? The adolescent population needs and deserves special attention regarding their mental health and treatment. If a child in your life is struggling, they may need more emotional support than you can provide. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. At Oceans, we offer intensive outpatient programming for the adolescent population. Learn more at OceansBiloxi.com. All kinds of wildlife. And of course, in our heart of hearts, we were hoping we would see a Bigfoot at some point, you know, because we were the only ones out there in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, total darkness. We thought it, if it's going to happen to anyone, it's going to be us. We, we're going to get this. So I had a video camera already because we didn't see him. Um, we did see what jumped in front of the car and hopped ahead of us a, a, a few, uh, maybe 50 feet. And then it went straight up an embankment and it looked like, this thing looked like a cross between a rabbit and a cat. And I've Googled, you know, to the nth degree of what this could be. Um, and we both were kind of really perplexed at the time. What we were looking at was that a, a fawn. Was that a young deer or, or was that a fox without a tail? What, what are we looking at? We couldn't work it out. Um, and it was sort of white and orange and, and brown mottled colors, almost like a tortoiseshell. Um, and it hopped like a rabbit, but it had a cat's head. Um, and, it, of course, the back legs of a cat will look like a rabbit. They're very, very similar back legs if you look at them, compare them. Anyone who knows, you know, rabbits and cats will agree that their feet are almost identical, the back legs anyway. Um, and yet this was hopping like a rabbit, and cats don't do that. So it was really strange, whatever that was, and it, it went vertically straight up the side of the ravine. Um, and, of course, we would see little stoats and things running across the, the, the road. And um, surprisingly, a lot of wildlife, considering it was winter. Um, didn't see any deer. Uh, I don't recall seeing any deer, and we certainly didn't see a Bigfoot. But um, I live in hope. I do firmly accept i don't believe i accept that they are a real being um it's only a matter of time as i say what's it like being in ape canyon knowing that that legendary story from the 1930s is still out there haunting the sasquatch world so for people who don't know ape canyon this is an area around mount saint helens that was wiped out during the 1980 volcano eruption, but people still say that Ape Canyon is well and alive with Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
I mean, as the story goes, there was a there was a bunch of uh, miners that were uh, or loggers. I think they were miners, weren't they? They miners, uh, they had boulders thrown at them. Yeah, they had uh, big rocks and boulders thrown at the cabin throughout the night. And then when they opened up the cabin, there was footprints around in the cabin. Um, some people will say that Sasquatch isn't violent. Uh, they'll say that it's a, a gentle giant, and it's a even natives will have said that it's a, a protector of the forest. And other people will, um, you know, claim that they've read anecdotal reports of, of many tribes of First Nations peoples that will say that they are another type of tribe. They're another people. Uh, others will say that they're incredibly violent and they're, gi- they're giant chimpanzees and they'll eat you. Um, and in fact, some native tribes will have referred to them in their own dialect as as cannibals or, or, or mountain giants or mountain devils, which is frightening. You know, those aren't friendly names. Um, so to be in Ape Canyon, knowing that that had happened and is recorded in the Oregonian as a piece of American history as a fact, you know, this isn't just a legend. It's been recognized that this did happen, which is really interesting when you think about it. This isn't some sort of, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln went surfing one day, you know. Maybe he did. We don't know. But we do know that this did happen. So that I find fascinating. Um, and so on my many travels up through the Pacific Northwest and onwards, I've been through Washington and Oregon. Um, I, uh, I found myself in Ape Canyon. And uh, I remember actually going up in the car all the way up the side of the mountain towards the area. And at one point, we sort of pulled to the side as a big logging truck goes the other way, passing us. And I got the fright of my life because I look out to my left, and there is a face right up against the glass with these two big black glassy eyes. And it was a deer. I just stood there watching me, uh, unfazed that we were there. He didn't care about cars. He just stood there looking at us sort of, you know, what are you doing here? Um, but I jumped out of my seat and um, squealed like a little girl. Um, and my girlfriend at the time who was driving, you know, what's the matter with you? <laughs> and I said, look, and there's a deer and it's just stood there. Uh, so that was, you know, that already had my nerves on edge. Saying that, the first time I ever went into the Redwoods, I was terrified because the first thing I did see was a big metal sign with a grizzly bear on it. Um, I didn't want to get out of the car. I was pretty scared. Of course, I'd seen the movie Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog, which is that unfortunate tale of people being eaten by grizzlies. But Needless to say, I got over the fear and I've hiked uh, all over. And Abe Canyon was one of those places where you, you do sort of, you, the heckles go on, up on the back of your neck and you sort of, you're wondering what's out there other than grizzly bears, you know, is, am I, am I going to have my head taken off by a giant boulder at some point? What's going on? Um, because reports go to this day, people still see them, road crossings, Sasquatch, and big ones too. Um, that's, that's the interesting thing about Bigfoot. Um, Cliff Barrickman will point this out that from region to region across the United States, they all seem to have uh, a different appearance. They seem to be larger the further north you get, um, and they seem to be more violent towards the south, which is really interesting. Maybe the cold weather calms them down a bit, you know. It doesn't explain a lot of Europeans, but... I think it has to do with the idea that, you know, when you travel north, like way north from where I am, there's still a couple thousand miles above where I am. And right. I think because the territory is so rugged that they have to grow in order to, in order to survive. You know, I mean, like th- give you an example, the moose in my area, 
they grow to about between 1,200 and 1,500 pounds. You go up towards the Yukon in Alaska, those moose get up to like 2,000 pounds, like over a ton. You know, mm. then you think of muskox. They're, they're massive animals that live in yeah. the, I mean, yeah. they're pretty much almost like a, ma- uh, uh, a relative of the woolly mammoth, yet they're out there. Polar yeah. bears are, are double the size, triple the size of a black bear. You know, mm-hmm. um, Kodiak bears, much the same. And it, you take a wolf, like a wolf in my area will be a little bit bigger than a German shepherd. You go up north yeah. and, and you put that wolf on its hind legs and it'll stand nine, ten feet tall. Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. But I think down below, like if you go like around the Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma type of area where these violent Sasquatch are that are smaller – I mean, if you think about what you have to compete with, which is angry caiman, angry crocodiles, alligators, you know, all sorts of, of venomous snakes and wild boars and, and everything, like everything is under attack there. So you always have yeah. to be on your, yeah. on your best behavior or, or have a watch out, you know, so I could see where they would be a lot more angry down there. Whereas up here, the less populous, the more chances of being docile because they're not being bugged or tortured yeah that's a great point you bring up there's no competition well there's less competition there's no real threats um and good luck if you do um when they're that big you know uh i think as you say with a colder climate as well you have to eat more so generally over time you're going to develop a larger self of being because you've eaten more for the winter and especially in a region that's just cold generally all year round, you need to keep that fuel. And if you're overeating or if you're in a really um, high-protein area, then you're going to be big. You're going to be really big. Uh, that's a good point, though. Yeah, no competition, no threats. You're going to be more docile and slower moving, perhaps. And so, of course, slow means big because you don't have to be slim or agile. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have seen, the biggest print I have seen in my area is 18 inches. That's big. Um, and when we had our encounter a year ago with the 10-footer, the two days later we went back to that area. We found two 16-inch prints. Hmm. You know, and I just think that there is something out there a lot larger and you know in our area what we do is we don't go looking for it we try and call it in and Mm. we you know so we'll do everything like for instance we park in the same area we have our campfire in the same spot every time um we try and do everything the same because from what i've learned with the sasquatch you have to try and try and uh they're very curious and they're very sensitive to to change they don't like change so when you do everything the same it it almost builds like a trust with them and that's what we do we don't chase them down in the forest you know we we kind of know where they are okay and we and sometimes we can hear them getting closer okay Mm -hmm. uh it, it is a little intimidating i will say that uh the night that we saw the guy his friend was wooing in the background, much like Ric Flair. You know, that was kind of interesting, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but, 
I mean, you just, I don't think you have to chase this creature like what we're seeing. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins in pill form that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if you don't have trouble swallowing, most vitamins in pill form can't be absorbed very well. It's time to upgrade to the pill-free future of vitamins. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created a patent-pending ingestible gel that is clinically proven to have 265% the absorption rate of tablets. These physician-formulated supplements come in a small gel pack. You tear off the top and shoot it down. You can also mix it in water. They taste great, they're convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code UPGRADE for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L.com. Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit. Like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield. And 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. On television and, you know, chasing it down little deer trails and and everything. Why do that when you can have it come to you because its own curiosity is going to push it towards your direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for the most part, and I, I really do feel that, uh, in, in my opinion anyway, um, that there are a type of people, um, some describe them as being more ape like and that, you know, Oh, it was an upright gorilla or, you know, and I think, um, I mean, I, I can't say because I wasn't there. I think when people describe them as that, I think the mind will fill in gaps using information they've heard or seen elsewhere. Um, because things happen very fast. Your adrenaline will cloud your brain. It will literally disallow you from remembering things if it's a stressful situation. And so your mind afterwards will fill things in that were never there. And so when people describe them as more gorilla-like, I think I think it's possible anyway, that some people are remembering things only based on what they know rather than what they actually saw. And in, and again, in my opinion, I think that, that Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it, are a type of people. And you only have to look at the footprints, which are human shape, to sort of sway it in that direction, that these are a, a type of people who I also think um, very much know exactly what we are and what we're capable of. And I think they are, um, when it comes to curiosity, I think the only curiosity they have is where are we and are we a threat and to just stay well away from us. I don't think that for a second they have any interest in going anywhere near us until they figure out we're not dangerous. I think for the most part, when you see, and here's something I wrote about in one of David Weatherly's books in his uh, Woodnox Volume 4. There's a... uh, a well-known fact in the in the sort of deer hunting community that you you're supposed to wear by law bright orange, um, so that you don't shoot each other for one, or if you fall into trouble and go missing, um, you can be easily found with this fluorescent orange 
sort of tabard that you should wear. Um, but the other main reason is that the way a deer, biologically a deer's eye works, it can't see orange. It's It goes into the same spectrum of green and foliage. So when you're stood there in a bright fluorescent orange jacket, a deer cannot see you. Whereas an ape, and we're apes, if Sasquatch is an ape, if it is a type of people, it's going to see you wearing that orange jacket the way we do from miles away. And there is not a chance in hell it's ever going to go near you. It's it's already, you know, five miles away by the time you get to the spot where it was stood. And I think for the most part, that's why we don't see them as often. Um, and I think when people use the argument that, well, why don't hunters see them all the time? That's exactly why. Because a Bigfoot sees you first. And all of these thousands of hunters that go out there and say it's nonsense because they've never seen one is because it saw them first with the orange jacket. That's the way I think. You know, and, and I think there's a lot to that. You know, I think the reason why we're not close to solving the Sasquatch mystery is because of the diversity of the crowd that is searching for it. You know, it's much like it's much like the UFO world the people who are very nuts and bolts keep getting yeah. stalled on the on the high strangeness because they don't want to understand it. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. with the flesh and blood people looking into Bigfoot where they don't understand or and don't care to understand that people are having strange encounters as mm-hmm. their sighting with this creature goes. I mean, when you find out that, that groups like the BFRO are actually tainting their own statistics by not including, you know, areas where sightings include orbs or paranormal activity or UFOs. UFOs. Yeah. How do you how do you trust the statistics? You can't. Yeah. And the unfortunate part about it is, much like the UFO world, and I'm sure you've noticed, this is a community that keeps eating its own because they don't want to have open minds. They don't want to have mm-hmm. uh, these these precognitive ideas that there could be something more than just a, a, a hairy hominid out there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, and I'm very much accepting in the world of, of orbs. And as I said earlier, you know, I saw a green fireball in my bedroom when I was a kid. Um, I've seen UFOs. When I read um, some of Stan Gordon's work and, and you know, uh, there's uh, a chap in the UK who uh, passed, passed away years ago, Phil, he, you know, would have these stories of UFOs being seen at the same time as Bigfoot or, or some have even witnessed Bigfoot stepping off a flying saucer that had landed in a field, those kind of things. And I don't discount those. And I do agree with you that it's a shame that a, an organization which is so steeped in recognition on the subject would leave that out is, is, is very sad because it is part of the, it's part of the bigger picture and whether or not it has anything to do with the flesh and blood uh, aspect of Bigfoot. If, if we are to sort of accept that, that it's a type of people that live in the woods, that doesn't mean that there's not another type that visits. That doesn't mean that there isn't, uh, another dimensional shift or or if they're nothing to do with ufos and they themselves are being abducted who knows um maybe the aliens wherever they are or whatever they are or dimensional visitors maybe they are not that interested in humans maybe they are taking cattle 
and everything from the forest. Maybe there's a decline in, in black bears because they're being abducted. Who knows? Um, and I think that when things are returned, perhaps, if you want to get a sort of bit of a comic book mind and play this out as a scenario, you know, the UFO comes back and lets the Bigfoot return again. And by chance, someone sees this happening. They're going to assume, well, Bigfoot's an alien. You know, um, and the spectrum, as you say, it's it's like a family tree of the variety of people looking for it, and also the variety of things that are, are to be observed, observed or recorded. Whether it's um, you know a, a Bigfoot carrying a ball of light in his hands through the forest, people have seen that. There's ways to to, to explain that. I, I think I said on a show once, you know, if he got a handful of glowworms and smushed it all over the rock that he was carrying maybe that's some kind of mating ritual that he's doing to attract a mate you know he's got a glowing ball in his hand um that might explain it but you know that's a stretch and and i think we need to have those stretches in explanations and and variety of sort of imagination to really push the boundaries you know i think it was frank zappa that said you know without being weird we've no room for progress it's not it's impossible to progress unless things are strange or things go off in a different direction, you, you cannot progress. And I think we need to include those weird stories as, as far removed as they might be from a natural history, um, you know, scientist, uh, anthropologist who might not really understand or have an interest as, as I don't have an interest in sport. Maybe they don't have an interest in UFOs. They need to still at least look at it and put it on because at some point that jigsaw piece is going to fit. And I think if we leave it out, we're never going to solve that puzzle. Sam Sheeran is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. His website, MrSamSheeran.com. And you can check out all the people that he has worked for in presenting great art to the world, not only in our field of the supernatural, paranormal, but to the music world, comic world as well. We have Sam for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We will be right back. Sweetness, man. This is flying by. Isn't it? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And Ross Dog's Broken Spirit. When he arrives, it's that time to change hats, put on our oh. NSA hat, and say hello, how are you, to all the agents and agencies who are tuning on in right now, listening into our show. You know, give us a call sometime. You already got the phone number. We don't need to provide it for you. Remember, some of us, some of us can be bought. Some of us. Right there. Not Friday here yet. <laughs> Not Friday here. I got it. We got another ninety minutes before it's Friday. <clears throat> Sovereign farts have a sense of humor, my friend. Have a sense oh. of humor. Someone got uh, out of bed on the wrong side today. Oh. That's okay. life is too short to be miserable. Life is too short to hate anyone or anything. You got that right. You got that right. 
If you don't like it, go away. We're going to have to convince you to come up to our fan party in Reno. Oh, yeah? Hang out with us. That'd be great. When's that? Uh, put on your calendar May 10th through 12th. Remind me. That sounds fun. Yeah, so it'll be our third annual fan party. And uh, we all pay our own way, and we do a live radio show, and then uh, we just party with the fans. We, we're setting up a ghost hunt with them. Uh, Melinda Leslie is uh, coming up to do a, a UFO skywalk. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union has special deals on certificates of deposit. For 10 months, you could get a return of 5.27% annual percentage yield. And Sunbelt offers an amazing 5.33% annual percentage yield for 18 months. Visit a Sunbelt Federal Credit Union location today or learn more at sunbeltfcu.org. That's sunbeltfcu.org. $500 minimum deposit. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit. Like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield. And 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Oh, on great. Saturday night, and we do everything together. We, you know, play poker, play slots, have a few drinks. We have a VIP party, you know, where I'll tell you, I, I, I will say this, the most emotional time of that weekend for me is watching, you know, our, our special guests, like watching our special guests blend in with the people who are listening to them, you know, and, and the one thing we do is we don't charge 300 bucks for a weekend for, for a conference. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Where, where you're, hoping, yeah. you're hoping to get to talk to, you know, Melinda Leslie or Bob McGuire, or Jim Goodall or, or Geraldina Roscoe or whomever, because what we do is we encourage our uh, people on this show, such as yourself, we do it differently. We encourage you like, Hey man, if, if, if you if some of our listeners invite you out for want to have lunch with you or dinner or breakfast, head out with them. I mean, because that's what it's all about is just getting to know yeah. the fans that are that are absolutely, um, you know, big fans of yours. You know, and it's awesome. Like I, like last year, Kira booked a. Um, uh, we had this uh, our VIP party. We were in Vegas at the Golden Nugget last year. And uh, she booked this VIP party where it overlooked uh, Fremont Street. And it was just amazing. You know, like you got like a bunch of people that you hear on our show all the time. And here's our fans like sitting right beside them having these in-depth conversations about experiences and knowledge and everything. And I just took it all in, man. And I, I got to admit, I had a, I had a tear in my eye, you know, because to <laughs> me, that's what it's all about. You know, and that's yeah. why we do it. Yeah. It's all about crying. Yeah. Well, I, I'm an emotional guy. People don't really understand <laughs> that. I am an emotional guy. Uh, honestly, honestly, Dave, I cry at commercials. There'll be a certain song, or there'll be a uh, a dog, or yeah. you know, and I will just I'll lose it. I'm yeah, floods of tears. Yeah. So yes. No, I I hear you. May tenth, <laughs> May tenth through twelfth, a a Ron. 
May 10th through 12th. That sounds good. And then, uh, so the Friday night, we're going to have the live show and then the VIP party after that. Saturday morning is going to be a ghost hunt. Uh, at I, I think we're going to try and line up Virginia City for that. And then Saturday night will be the the Sky Watch. And then Sunday's the free-for-all where some people have to get going home. But for those that are staying like oh. me until Monday, we just have a party mm-hmm. day. Free-for-all yeah. party day. Are you, uh, you you must be in contact with um, Joshua P. Warren, surely. Uh, I've talk- I haven't talked to Josh in a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's on the ghost circuit, isn't he? He's uh, all about the the ghost tours and that kind of thing. I think he runs one up in Vegas somewhere. Yeah. Hold on one second. We got five seconds before we go here. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. And you can follow us on any major podcast network, including Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and so many more. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon and join up for the SOR Space Travelers Club. Here we go. Mr. Sam Sheeran is with us. Mr. SamSheeran.com is his website. We're talking all things high strangeness here tonight, and it's been a lot of fun, Sam. i got to admit, uh, I've waited for this conversation for a long time, and this is a beauty. Oh, I love you too, man. Thank you. Thank you. You've seen <laughs> UFOs. I have, yes. Yeah, I've seen a bunch. And, and again, that's one thing that's really hard to say without sounding silly um because who sees a bunch of ufos um surprisingly quite a lot of people because we tend to be the ones looking for them we're the ones that look at the sky um you know there was a time when i used to go to rock clubs and and you know drink and smoke like anyone else um i don't anymore but at the time you would step outside and have a cigarette and a lot of UFO reports tend to be from smokers, believe it or not. That's a statistic that's been pointed out in the fairly recent years that most people, uh, I think uh, Cam and Kyle on the uh, Expanded Perspectives podcast, I think they pointed it out that when people go outside for a cigarette, they're the ones that will stand and look at the sky, and they're the ones that most often will see strange things, whether it's a flying manta uh, or a mothman, you know, or a UFO, um, and I'm victim to that too. You know, it's ha- it happened to me a number of times. Um, the biggest, most recent one I'd seen was in 2012, um, and believe it or not, right over Hollywood. Now, you would imagine Hollywood being Tinseltown and the land of movies and glitz and, and strobe lights in the sky and all kinds of things, you know. 
Uh, anyone who's not familiar with the area might be fooled by a light show. Well, I'd lived there for a number of years, as had my two friends that I was with, um, who also saw it. Uh, and we knew exactly what was in the sky over Hollywood. We were very used to the police helicopters that are, you know, ten a penny. Uh, every five minutes, a, a police helicopter will go over. Some of them quite low, which will even shake the pictures on your wall. Um, and I had an apartment right in the middle of Hollywood, uh, two streets down from Sunset Boulevard back in 2012. And um, we step out on the balcony. It was Halloween around the 20th, I think, uh, Halloween season rather. And um, our girlfriends were inside, sitting on the couch, getting ready to carve pumpkins. And me and my two friends decided to step out on the balcony, um, have a cigarette, open a beer, and start to enjoy the evening. So that's an important point. Neither of us were, well, any of us were drunk at that point. Um, I don't think we even did get drunk that night. We, we just had, you know, a casual drink. But a good point to make on that is when someone says, you know, uh, they weren't drinking, I always kind of smile. You remember those sort of old cartoons, I think it was Disney cartoons or something, where something strange had happened and the character would always look at the bottle they were drinking, you know, as though that was the cause of what they were seeing. Like, oh, my, what am I drinking that caused that? And it all seemed to appear occasionally in sort of um, Warner Brothers cartoons or Tom and Jerry, it would, it would happen. Yes. Um, but we know that that's not a accurate portrayal of what it does when you, to you when you're drunk, you know. Um, alcohol it doesn't tend to be laced with LSD. And even if it was, I still don't think that you're going to be seeing UFOs unless you, you know, you're, you're in that mindset. But my point being is when you have a drink, no matter how drunk you get, you don't see Sasquatch in 7-Eleven. You don't see um, little green men down at Ralph's. You know, it's, uh, it just does not happen. Um, people will see these things completely sober. So to say that we weren't drunk yet or weren't drinking or whatever, we were drinking, but we had only just opened our beer. But that's beside the point. Even if we were drunk, it wouldn't matter. We're not going to suddenly start seeing strange things because people would see them every day. You know, there are plenty of alcoholics on the planet that don't see those things ever. So it doesn't seem to match that when people sort of discount people for that reason. It's, uh, it's disingenuous. It's not a, a factual explanation. And it should be thrown out, uh, the drinking thing. So, long story short, now that I've got that out of my lungs, um, we, we stepped outside. And, of course, we're looking over the, uh, the buildings from the balcony view that we had. We're, I think we were four floors up, maybe five floors up. And so we're looking out over Hollywood, over the other apartment buildings and the Strip and various places. And it was a semi-cloudy night, not particularly cloudy, just little faint gray clouds. But you could hardly see the stars. Um, it was clearer away from the, the glow of the, of the city, if you imagine. You know, if you look long enough, you, you could see the stars. Um, and my friend, uh, just out of the blue, just points out and says, What's, what the F is that? And points up into the sky. Of course, we look and, and we see a triangular formation of lights and it was uh it was uh, it seemed to be dimmer than 
dimmer in brightness than the stars themselves, and they weren't flashing. They were more shimmering than anything else. Um, and it was silent. There was no smoke contrail, nothing. Uh, nothing was flashing, and they were all white. There was no colored lights. And it was in a, a, a triangular, a long triangular shape, almost like um, one of the Star Destroyers from Star Wars, one of the big triangular ships. But if you look at one of those from underneath, if you imagine. Um, but it was black, except for these white lights. So we couldn't really tell if it was a formation of, of, of lights or if it was a solid object with lights. We couldn't really tell. Um, but it's traveling along at the sort of the same speed as a very high altitude 747 or commercial airliner. And only lasted a few seconds because um, it wasn't going very fast. But, you know, from our, our point of view, there was only a, a certain window where we could see before it eventually disappeared behind the mountains past Hollywood. So we watched it until it disappeared. Um, and it sort of twinkled away and uh, and was gone. And we're thinking, wow, you know, someone else must have seen that because none of us could explain what it was. Right. Um, so we called the local army base, the local air base, rather. And we said, you know, uh, I, I put on my best British and said that I was a tourist um, and said, hey, I've just seen this thing over Hollywood. And this Mexican guy, uh, you could, Latino accent, replies to us, and he says, uh, and you could hear the wind. He was stood outside. And he says, uh, hey, man, you're, you're the fifth person who's called us. It's not ours. And he hung up. So we, we to this day, don't know what it was. Now, the story doesn't end there. Um, years, a year later, uh, I was at my girlfriend's house working on some artwork. And in the background... I'll put YouTube videos on and they tend to sort of, as you know, we'll just play through to the next video and you never know what you're going to get stuff on YouTube just feeds you stuff that you're interested in. And an episode of ancient aliens debunked comes on, which I found fascinating mm-hmm. um, because someone tears it apart and says, well, you know, this isn't true and this is actually what it is, which I find more interesting when people tear things apart. People will say that that's just um, no fun, but I find it very fun. And I glance over because they're talking about the 2010 volcano erup- eruption, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Reykjavik in Iceland. Yes. And um, they're showing news footage that was from a helicopter. Now, if you remember at the time, all the aircraft were downed in the northern hemisphere because of the ash that was uh, up in the sky from this volcano eruption. Um, it was dangerous for airplanes to be at uh, flying anywhere near that zone because it will clog up the engines and it was just incredibly dangerous. The visibility would be gone because of this ash. Yet, from some distance away, there was a uh, a news helicopter that was covering the volcano. They had to get some footage of it, so they sent a helicopter up and they filmed it. And they zoomed in. And you can find this footage on YouTube. Um, I'll send you a link somewhere. They filmed, they caught on camera a white V-shape of dots of lights. And on first glance, it looks like a flock of birds as they would fly in a V formation. Only they're not birds flapping. They're just white, white specks of light. Now it's so far away. You could say, well, they could be seagulls. You don't know. But the thing is, is if they were, they would be the biggest seagulls you've ever seen because this was far away and you could see them. 
Plus, there were no flapping wings. And more to the point, it wasn't moving. It was stationary in the clouds of this gray plume on the edge of the volcano. And this is on film. This happened. This is caught on camera, but real. And when I glanced at this and I saw this, I, I, I nearly fell off my chair because that was exactly what we had seen two years later in Hollywood. For people so, who have never seen a UFO, what goes through your mind and body as this is happening? Because the quick answer everybody always has is, well, why didn't you videotape it? Why didn't you, why didn't you take a picture of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that I, you know, I think the same thing. I'm always frustrated when someone says, oh, I saw this, you know, prehistoric reptile flying past my car and you always wish that they had a dash cam or you know they pulled their phone out and you know you're not supposed to use your phone when you're driving so that's why that didn't happen and there's always an excuse and with us being on the balcony you know we had a beer in our hand or a cigarette you don't want to drop that you don't want to burn something down you don't want to you know miss what you're looking at is the main thing if you blink it's gone if you if you run inside to get your camera, you've missed that event because when you come back, guaranteed it's already happened and, and you missed it. So I think the fear of um, of missing it, the, the the very genuine sort of uh, you know um, worry that you you're not going to experience a once in a lifetime thing, yeah, that you're looking for the answer, you're looking at hopefully that you're the one that's seen something that's never been seen before. Um, you can't look away. The last thing on your mind is to, is to go and get a camera or even reach in your pocket and grab your cell phone because then you've got to look at your phone, you've got to unlock your phone, you've got to go to the camera app, you've got to switch the camera app on. Things look crap inside a phone. You know that because maybe one time you tried to take a picture of the moon and it comes out tiny on your phone, so there's no point. All of that rushes through your mind. There's no point in trying to take a picture. You may as well enjoy it. Now, it's not as though you're going to go and see the band Slayer on their final tour. You know, it, you're going to want to take a picture and, and be like, oh, I was there. You're going to want to watch the show. You're going to want to see those fire explosions and see Kerry King on guitar and Tom Araya belting his lungs out singing. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. If you're just filming it, you may as well watch it on YouTube at home when you get home. And it's the same with UFOs. You want to watch it because if you look away, that's not on camera. You can't watch it again, which is unfortunate, which is sad. But yeah, the thing that goes through my mind, especially when I've seen countless UFOs, um, which I could talk about more on uh, in Los Angeles, is uh, it's a, it's always a different situ situation that you're in. You know, you don't walk around with a camera or Google glasses. You know that even then, if you had those on, they're not going to record anything very well. Um, it's sad, but it's uh, it's a strange phenomenon in itself that it just doesn't happen. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I mean, seeing triangular formations, does it make you wonder whether it's ours or theirs? I, I mean, I've been asked about this in the past, and I've given, you know, various answers, um, because it's the same thing with uh, with any phenomenon. We don't know for sure. So over time, our opinions may change. Um, and the more we know, the more we realize we don't know uh, enough. Um, 
And it's the same with sort of Loch Ness. You know, there's all kinds of ideas of what could that be. And over time, when you educate yourself and you realize that the lock didn't exist 10,000 years ago or 100,000 years ago, therefore there couldn't possibly be a dinosaur in there because the lock didn't exist. So there wouldn't be a survivor that's been clinging on because they wouldn't have been able to get in there. That rules that one out straight away. And so over time, you start to realize, okay, well, logic plays into a few things. Um, but with the UFO that I saw in 2012, the triangle, I mean, it's on. It's it's really still on the table. You know, is this a time traveler from another dimension, a scientist who's doing a reconnaissance mission, who's checking out things, or is it our military who are testing it up in Reykjavik next to a volcano, seeing its performance in extreme heat? You know, next to that plume, um, is it over Hollywood testing to see whether anyone noticed, or is it literally just mapping the area and that's part of its route? You know, is it just the military that we have? Um, you have to remember that the um, the the Blackbird is it the the SR seventy something seventy one. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean that was flying around over Russia and back again to the U.S. for thirty years, three decades before anyone knew. Now that's a long time. I'm forty five, and and if I take thirty of those years of not knowing that a plane was flying over Russia and nobody knew it even existed, never mind what it was doing. I, I mean, that blows my mind. So if you think um, 30 years ago from now is, you know, 1993, we have Jurassic Park visual technology and all kinds of incredible things happening in the early 90s. 30 years uh, on today, you bet we've got things that we don't know about. You, there's no question are flying things around the world and into space that we don't know about it makes me wonder you know nasa goes so quiet for so long because it's almost as though they've been left behind and there is no funding for them because they're irrelevant now they're they're more uh useful for i mean they're not irrelevant i should say that but they're they're more useful for for discovering what the universe is made of and in terms of mapping the universe and what's on planets and what they're made of and how to, you know, really study the universe in itself and deep space. But in terms of travel and getting places, they're not, they're not exactly the pioneering company. In fact, it's Elon Musk's company that delivers the astronauts to the, the space station these days, not NASA. So what else is out there that uh, in a James Bond kind of world where you have supervillains, but, you know, they're not villains, but they're just incredibly rich people that we don't even know about that are not Jeff Bezos, that are not Elon Musk, but do exist and do have a pile of money that are no doubt developing things in a breakaway civilization, as Richard Dolan would say, that we just don't know about. They live on their own islands, they have their own technology, and they fly off into God knows where if they want to. I absolutely accept that's a possibility when you take into account the Blackbird flying around for 30 years. What do they have now? that people are seeing as UFOs. Um, and again, you know, you could compare it to the Bigfoot thing. Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit. Like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield. And 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. The right shoes can take an outfit from good to great. 
Allbirds elevate your everyday style with timeless comfort and supreme versatility. Like their all-new Courier, a shoe with nods to a classic silhouette for undeniable appeal and made from 100% organic cotton. The Allbirds Courier is a natural classic shoe that keeps up with each step you take throughout your day and night. And at the Allbirds Innovation Lab, they're doing all the sciencey stuff like research and testing to create shoes from natural, sustainable materials. So you can look good while doing good. Everyday comfort delivered. Allbirds All-New Courier. Elevate your supernatural style at allbirds.com today and use code SOCKSTYLE for free socks with your purchase. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SOCKSTYLE. We could have that, and we could also have aliens from another world or dimension happening at the same time, just as Bigfoot could be earthbound, natural, and weird. Yeah, and the big question is, where do you think these are coming from? Do you think they're from the future? Do you think they're from outer space? You know, there's a great debate about that. And the other great debate that I'm curious is we've got about five minutes to go here. Who's flying these craft? Because over the last number of years, we sure seem to have been able to indicate that UFOs are real, but we're still afraid to admit that they actually have pilots. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all, I think the answer is all of it. Um, I think there's no one box you can put it all in. I think um, some of them are absolutely nuts and bolts flown by creatures that are probably about to die when they arrive. And probably that's why some of them crash because they probably weren't even intending to come here and they just were sucked into the atmosphere. Maybe they were sort of, you know, Oh oh God, we, we have to get to the nearest planet. You know, you can write any comic book scenario on, on why they would be coming here. The other thing would be visitors from another dimension, or as you say, that age old fantasy of the future. Is it us coming back and checking out history and, and really finding out what happened way back? You know, if you could go back in time, it's one of those old questions that you sort of lay on your back in the summer and look at the stars and ask, isn't it? But um, it, it's an entirely possible thing uh, that you can't really just throw out because no one can explain time travel or do time travel that we know. Um, but one thing we do know, in theory, is that you can only go so far as back to the point of when time travel was made uh, available or, or to have the ability to. So, for example, if you built a time machine, you couldn't go back any further than that because it didn't exist. You could, you could in the future, if you had a time machine sitting around for 50 years, you could go back to the point of when it was made and everywhere in between, but you couldn't go back further than that. So the question is, if this is time travelers from the future, when did we build that machine? Exactly. And where's that technology now? Yeah. Yeah. What is Where the is it? <laughs> What is the one thing whether it's time travel, whether it's jump rooms, whether it's UFOs or whatever, what is the one thing that just totally geeks Sam Sheeran out? Monsters. Um stories of abductions where people will say there's one story, uh, forgive me, I forget the guy's name um, or when and where it happened, but a man was abducted and he was found uh, struggling with greys on a, on a table. Um, he lashed out at one, much much like the Travis Walton story, but this, this chap was uh, not having a good time with it. And he was dragged off the table by the greys. They'd had enough of him having a tantrum. They took him into another room and out of the darkness, 
walked towards him a giant white praying mantis, which spoke to him and said, if you don't behave, I will eat you. And then they took him back to the table and he laid down very calmly and they proceeded with their uh, experiments on him. That story fascinates me and that geeks me out because that is a movie waiting to happen. Um, and is allegedly true, and you know that is also very terrifying. So that's the stuff that really gets me going. The, the Pascagoula aliens, similar sort of thing, very, very frightening. Monsters are what really geeks me out, monsters. I'd love to think it was AI uh, and robots flying these craft coming here. That's the only way they could really survive, if you think about it, with the G-forces and everything. It has to be machine-driven drones or AI flying these spaceships. But I love to think of the idea that there are actually these creatures and in a multitude of variety, just as the spectrum of nature on this planet is so diverse, I think life in the universe is as well. Sam, do us a favor. Tell everybody where they can find more information about you and your incredible artwork. Take about a minute. Oh, thanks, Dave. Um, well, everywhere you can find... Uh, all of my links and everything that you could possibly want to sort of um, find out about me is all on one website. Um, so that would be mrsamsheeran.com, and that's Mr. The Word, M-I-S-T-E-R-S-A-M-S-H-E-A-R-O-N.com, mrsamsheeran.com. And on there you'll find links to uh, my Patreon where I draw live every week. Um, and you can hang out and we can talk while I draw monsters. Um, you can ask questions and suggest things and I'll uh, talk about all kinds of weird stuff and ramble about nonsense. Um, but you'll find links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whichever we're going with these days. Um, YouTube, uh, you'll see some of the time-lapse videos of my drawings on there. And pretty much everything else, my shop, the Big Cartel store, where you can buy prints of all the cryptozoology monsters and creatures that I've drawn. Uh, and it's all on mrsamsheeran.com. Love it, my friend. This was so much fun tonight and cannot wait to do it again. We got to get you on our roundtables on the final Friday of the month. That would be great. That'd be great. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, as we say goodbye to Mr. Sam Sheeran. Among the Missing with Steve Stockton. Then Robin McRae joins us for the Cryptid Report. It's Dave 101 night and the strange news of the week. All coming up at a jam packed hour three of Spaced Out Radio next. Great job, my friend. Great job. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you, you doing that, man. It's been a good chat. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll send you the dates to Reno. Yeah, please do. That sounds uh, that sounds really good fun. I'm down for that. All right, yeah. buddy. I'll let you go back in the chat room and relax. And uh, Dirty Filth, we're going to turn things over to you here because you still got lots of work to do. <clears throat> Don't forget to turn your mic on, Filthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got a super fancy setup here. It's all analog stuff over here. Hey, where's Blobbert tonight? Uh, Blob was here earlier. We'll have to go watch the replay. And then the gargoyle showed up. It's been a complete mess. Cats are out of control.
I drive a starship. You know, I'm terribly afraid of flying, but I would definitely go to space, no problem. That wouldn't bug me. Strap me to thousands of gallons of explosive material and send me out into space. I'm okay with that, but I don't like flying. Wigs me out. Sasquatch running away with his stolen pie. Oh yeah. Give him a smile there. Rocket Man. I don't know what Rocket Man is. Is it the French band Le Rockets? And they all used to wear silver makeup? Look at the guardrail locked everything out of place here. It's all wonky. Oh well. Yeah, Sasquatch is hauling ass. Peace out, suckers. You got my grandma's Saskatoon berry pie, which looks like a cheese roll, actually. Yeah, whatever. It's a pie. I mean, a vegan hot dog looks like a hot dog, but it's not actually a hot dog. I actually make a wicked hippie burger. <clears throat> Anyways. Someone out here. It's a lame stream song. Probably. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit too too young to enjoy Elton John. The lights above me are tiny explosions. Give you a good chance of that. The audio is off. Yes. I had to uh, cough. I don't have anything against vegan food. 
There's a pretty good vegan place in Edmonton. I'm just I'm just starving all the time. Looking good, dirty. Looking good. Thanks, Dave. I kind of zoned out there for a little bit and started drawing cartoons. It happens. You're pretty good at it, dude. Oh, I tried my best. It's good when none of the cats are attacking me. Look at him, Dave. He's running with his Saskatoon berry pie. I love it. I love it. Big thank you tonight to Shaq, Jenny, Cat Chaser, and Kira for the great super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love. And don't forget to go shopping at spacedoutradio.com where we got great-looking swag. None of it's ugly, people. You can wear it anywhere. Here we go with the third hour. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Abasia. Abasia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from the YouTube channel Among the Missing for another weird story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Others think that the depth of the lake and its extremely cold temperatures could be the main culprits as divers and rescue teams find it challenging to locate wreckage or bodies. Lake Superior has been an important source of fresh water and fish for thousands of years. It's also been the location of significant cultural and historical events and has played a substantial role in developing the Great Lakes region. Although there have been unsolved disappearances on the lake, its breathtaking beauty, abundant resources, and cultural significance continue to inspire awe and wonder among those who visit its shores. Next up, the Devil's Sea. The Devil's Sea 
also known as the Dragon's Triangle, is in the Pacific Ocean off the south coast of Japan. This area is infamous for its dangerous and mysterious reputation due to its connection to the disappearance of numerous vessels and fishing boats. Shrouded in mystery and surrounded by myth and legend, its importance is comparable to that of the Bermuda Triangle. Japanese folklore tells of a dragon that inhabits the area and guards a palace at the bottom of the ocean. The dragon is said to cause strange and dangerous occurrences in the region, including unexplained lights, whirlpools, and sudden storms. During the 1940s and 50s, numerous fishing vessels and over five military ships vanished in the waters between Miyake Island and Iwo Jima. Japan responded by dispatching the research vessel Kaio Muru No. 5, in 1952 to investigate the missing ships that had reportedly disappeared in the Dragon's Triangle. Regrettably, the 31 crew members who embarked on the research vessel to explore the Devil's Sea met the same fate as the crews of past ships. Although the Kayo Maru No. 5 wreckage was eventually discovered and recovered, the location of the crew members is still a mystery to this day. The Devil's Sea is a location that has captivated people from all over the world. Experts believe that natural phenomena like rogue waves, volcanic activity beneath the sea, and strong ocean currents may cause the disappearances in the area. Thank you to Steve for another great short story tonight on Spaced Out Radio. If you want more stories from Steve, just go over to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash among the missing, and you can hear dozens of them just like that one. All right, we are heading to... The shortened version of the Cryptid Report tonight, our good friend Robin McRae is here. (laughs) All right, Robin Haynes is here. With another great cryptid report. Robin, I promise you, very soon you'll have your own theme song. I will get oh. to it. I will get to it here. Uh, That's awesome. You know, because you coming on every Thursday night. We can't have you. You're not filling in for Super Duke anymore. You're taking over for the I Thursdays. Know. I'm so excited. I love it here. Good. Well, we love you just back, back so much. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. So, oh, my pleasure. Any weird stories that you have to share with us? Just like right now, I don't know what is going on. We have had so much activity here in a very short time, and it's just it's crazy. Last night, I was wide awake. I was laying in bed watching TV, and normally, like they'll come up and they'll you know they'll slap the house or they'll come outside the window and and pound, and they want me outside. That's what I used to do in Michigan with the Michigan group. And here, I don't do it as much because we have so many venomous snakes here. Like, it's just not safe for me to be out in the woods in the middle of the night. Michigan, they 2 o'clock in the morning, they'd be pounding on my window where my bedroom was at. I'd go out and sit in the woods with them. It was not a problem. But you can't do that here. And so last night, they tapped at the window, and I wasn't didn't even respond. Next thing I know, they hit the front. It was like a car hit the front of my house. It was so loud. Like, it vibrated everything. All the animals are freaking out. And they wanted me outside, but it was pouring down rain. I was like, I'm not going outside. It was raining. And they literally knocked on the walls of the house all night last night. I don't know what they were so worked up about, but they were, like, absolutely crazy. What do you think works so they're just 
What do you think? Loud works? and proud right now. What do you What do you think works them up? I don't know. I mean, I know they wanted to talk, and that's fine. They do that a lot, and I don't mind it. And they can mind speak. I mind spoke with them most of the night. I was up till probably four o'clock in the morning because they were just talking and talking, and you know they wanted me outside. And I have the Tibetan singing bowls, and they love those things. And they wanted me to bring the bowls outside, and I'm like, it's raining. I'm not going out in the rain. And they were just obsessed about these bowls. They love them because it's a higher frequency and it's all energy and vibration in those Tibetan singing bowls. And they absolutely love them. I've had great success with those. And what about the singing bowls attracts them? Well, it's a frequency and a vibration, which is basically the same thing. And you do the, the singing bowls, and it gets that humming noise going from the brass, and they love it. They really love it. I've gone different places, and they'll step right out of the tree line and just right front and center so you can see them just because they enjoy it. And they're forever wanting me to play them. I mean, it, it's not like it takes any great skill set. You know, I mean, if you can take the little wand and run in the outside rim of it, you're good to go. But they love it. They love the frequency that it hits. Question coming from non-human. Does Bigfoot fakers help or hurt the conversation, Robin? Definitely hurt. Because it's hard enough, the, uh, the amount of things that go on with the Bigfoot, you know, it's almost like it takes on a life of its own. It really does because of the paranormal aspect of it, which nobody wants to believe to begin with. They don't even really want to believe the physical part. So it's really hard to get anybody to listen. Like, I know when I'm speaking, half the people think I'm nuts, and the other half, because they've had enough experience, know that I'm speaking the truth. I know when I put my head down at night, I've not lied about anything. But when you have people that are willingly faking it and lying about it, whether it's for attention or whatever, it really does mess things up because it makes it harder for the legitimate people like myself to be able to reach people. Now, I don't have a thing where... I want everybody to believe me. Whatever they want to believe, they can. You know, I believe, you know, now. As a roofer, I'm always on the go. So I need to be able to get things done from anywhere. That's why I partner with Beacon. With the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. It's like having my Beacon rep in my pocket 24-7. I rely on Beacon because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through November, purchase certain tea through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. At Casper, we love all things sleep, so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers, well, everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at Casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See Casper.com slash promo. ...is power. So the more information you know about the subject matter, the better you are. So I just put out my experiences. I put out what I know is fact that I've been taught by them and people can make their own opinions. But for people that want to have that little bit of legitimacy to it, it makes it very hard. You know, I mean, it does. It makes it very hard. And the truth is hard to swallow with them. So then you get people out there faking and it makes it even harder. What's the worst one you've ever seen of fakery? I think some... Oh my gosh, these people that put masks on fence posts or a mask on a stuffed, you know, body or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, this is a Bigfoot. And I'm like, come on. 
Like I have a grandchild that is a month old and she could tell it was a fake. <laughs> I think those are the worst. I think those are the worst when you, you know, you get to that point where you're using masks and you're using costumes and all these things. These things are out there. Millions of people see them. Millions of people experience the paranormal side of them. You don't have to go through all these lengths, you know. And the thing is, is there's telltale signs. There's still telltale signs that are going to show you whether things are fake or not. We were talking with Sam Sheeran a, a little while ago about the anger of the southern Bigfoot compared to the docile nature of the northern Bigfoot. Have you noticed this too within the clans you deal with? Um, yes, yes and no. I think, first of all, we need to understand that every one of these beings are different. They all have different temperaments. They have all different things, okay? So, you know, what one may be nice in that group and the other one might be absolutely horrible. It's not any different than, like, let's say you are you have a brother, Dave, that's a hothead, but then you're very calm. You know, I mean, that's what it boils down to because they're just individuals. But on top of that, it depends on their location only because are they in an area. Like, you get in Alaska and you get some really touchy ones in Alaska because they have all that open wilderness that they live in. They don't have to deal with us. And so when they come into an area where they're forced to deal with us, they get real bitchy. So in the southern ones, if they can get where they can get out in the woods and the swamps and whatever, because there's not a lot of humans there in the swamps, they don't have to deal with us. They don't enjoy dealing with us when they have to come back in. You know, or maybe in the northern, depending on your location in the northern, it's easier for them. Now, when I lived in Michigan, the group I interacted with was phenomenal. I mean, they could not have been kinder or nicer. There was nothing else they could have done to be uh, be better than what they were. But if you were to go like 40 minutes from me, there is an area there in Grayling, and those things would just as soon rip your head off and look at you. So I don't personally believe it's a southern and northern thing. I think it's a, a location and the habitat around them as far as whether or not they're forced to deal with us. And I also think a lot of it has to do with just an individual personality. You know, the bad ones like to hang out together just like the gangs do, you know, and then the good ones like to stay together as well. But I don't think it's necessarily, and I, I could be wrong because I don't know everything, but I don't think it's necessarily the north and south thing as much as are they in an area where it's so wild there that they don't have to interact with us. And then they get put in situations where we've come into their homes or they've been forced out of their homes and they have to and they're not happy about it. Mm. So it is location. It is something to do with the idea that, that you know, up here, the more, let, let's face it, the more north you go, the less the population and everything that kind of goes along with that. So that would play key in, say, the northern part of yeah. the United States and going into Canada. Yeah, it's like in Michigan, you know, in mid-Michigan, they're relatively friendly except for a few pockets, but then you cross the bridge and there are nice ones up there, but you get a lot more wild ones because it's nothing but wilderness. They aren't forced to have to deal with us very often there. And that has a lot to do with it. Okay. So just, just the idea that, that we have these docile creatures. Why do you think they grow so much larger in the northern reaches? 
Well, I think you're looking at, there's a lot more wilderness there. They're not as cramped. There's a lot more room. You know, if you go to certain areas and, and like in different cultures, you see that some people are shorter than others, but then you go some other place, like, you know, like Sweden has got, they're very tall. They're very, you know, well-muscled. But then if you go to like China, you see a lot more tiny people and a lot shorter, you know, it's just a cultural thing, I think. But when you get up in these open areas, I do think that they grow bigger. And it's a matter of, well, they are a human hybrid. When they're in a situation where there's just nothing but open wilderness and there's plenty to eat and there's more room for them and more room to grow, I think they do get bigger. I've noticed that the ones that are, are six to eight feet are generally adolescents anyway, but with the ones that aren't getting the 12 and 14 feet, they seem to be in areas where they're much more populated. Question from Sovereign. Do you think it's Sasquatch or Dogman that are shredding flags to pieces? And why would they do that? McFeely did a whole study on that. And they're not trying to shred the flags. What we've been able to deduce, Harriet did the study, I just talked to the Bigfoots on it, is that when they do the braiding of the flags and they look at the three strips, the strips stand for their people, our people, and God. So when they do the braiding, according to what they told me, it means a coming together of the people. And that's why they're doing it. Harry McFeely has a whole section of her museum in Nebraska, um, the Big Road Crossroads Museum, that is dedicated to strictly the braiding of these flags. And it's absolutely tremendous. Paramarv wants to know, what about the climate? Wouldn't they need to bulk up to stay warm the further north they are? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so, but I think we need to realize too, that they start preparing for winter and stocking food away for the winter. I mean, I went to this one place and there was these cave systems and the DNR found 14 deers that had been gutted and stacked in there and nothing but the giant footprints all around them. I mean, they were ready for winter. The other thing is, is they do use fire. Not all clans will, but a lot of clans do. And they use older wood so that it smokes less so that nobody's aware of it. So that way they can stay warm. But they start getting, I mean, if, you know, winter's coming, they start months in advance and they start getting food prepared and stocked up for that winter. Okay. Are they stacking just meat from, say, carcasses of deer and rabbits or are they collecting berries and other? Berries, vegetables, um, Pine needles for pine needle tea, which is good for medicinal purposes, certain barks, certain mosses, grasses. I mean, they'll eat anything, you know, I mean, just like we do. I mean, we're vegetarians and then we have, you know, meat eaters or whatever. And they're the same way. It's more about their taste. But, yeah, they get everything and they start doing that. They start um, gathering stuff and storing it away fairly early. I get that. I get that. I mean, they'll hunt in the winter. They still hunt. But if it's on really bad days or whatever, they've got plenty of food to see them through. So I'm not sure if you saw that latest Sasquatch video out of Colorado, but allegedly yes. it is from a, a an RV company that has a Sasquatch costume walking yeah. through. And, you know, when I was talking to Duke about this uh, a couple of nights ago, you know, the one thing that both him and I kind of chatted about was the strangeness in the legs. It looked like they were pants, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah. can we say this one's debunked in your thoughts? Well, I've had 
multiple people send it to me, which I always appreciate. I love everybody. But, you know, I have a big problem with the way the bat goes into the buttocks and down the legs and then the way it flares out at the bottom of the legs. Um, I will say in all fairness that each individual looks different. So you can't look at them as a cookie cutter thing where they all have to have this, this, or this. But what I will say is this, it looks like it has a little bit of a neck to it, which we already know is a no, no. The other thing is the way the buttocks go down into those thighs looks very abnormal to me. And I don't like the way the legs look. I think the legs at the bottom look, look like, you know, hairy pants. Could it be one? There's always that chance that there is. It was out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I saw online where somebody said, well, it didn't act like one. Yeah, they all squat down like that so they can't be seen. So it did act like one. But I just didn't, in my opinion, from what I've seen, and I've seen various ones that look differently, I just found too many possible red flags on it for me to take it seriously. Doesn't mean it's not a Sasquatch. It just means that that particular individual was not typical of what I know them to be. So it, it gave me pause to think, you know, to kind of be skeptical of it. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, I, I thought the exact same th thing too. So it's good to have that confirmation that you yeah. put in there for me. And I, and I can appreciate that, you know, outside of the Patterson Gimlin film, are there many films out there that have really caught your attention as being the not, legit ones? Not a lot. Um, Adrian Erickson and the Matilda video that we took so much, you know, complaints about in the genome study, that was legitimate and it was tremendous and everybody's clear as Patty. Randy Bryson's got a beautiful, beautiful photo of one that he gets ridiculed on. I mean, the thing is, is that people that have these clear videos are attacked. That's the, the cold hard facts, which is really sad. So when you do have something that is credible and legitimate, you know, what are you going to do with it? Because you're going to get attacked for it, which is really sad. I mean, we have all the hoaxes out there that we see on a daily basis, and then the credible ones can't get in. And it goes back to the question we were asked in the beginning, you know, does it hurt us or help us to have all these hoaxers? Definitely hurts us because it makes people hardened up enough where that even when you have legitimate footage and legitimate information, nobody wants to believe you. If but, yeah, there is good footage out there. My favorite one is the one, um, and I can't remember what they titled it, of the female carrying the baby across the boulders. I remember that one. And, yeah. Oh, my God. I just love that one because it's got the baby with it. You know, and I've seen several of them where they're running across an open field or whatever that are tremendous. So there's there's footage out there. It's just, I think people put them out there in hopes that somebody's going to believe them, and then they don't, and they get attacked, and they take the footage down, unfortunately. So my question for you is, if you had that smoking gun video. I don't do a lot of videos. I have a but lot if of you did, But if you did, would you release it? I would have to be honest and say it depended on where I took it at and if it was my group at my home or if it was somewhere randomly that I happened to be in an area. If it was a random area, then I could probably get away and say, you know, I would show it so people could see it. But I, I don't think it will do any good. I think people will always hate and I think they will always condemn it. If it was like at my home, no, and not for my protection, but for theirs. I'm a big girl. I can protect myself. But the ones that are frequently here, this is their home. 
and for me to show any footage of it would be very detrimental to them. So I would have to evaluate the case and, and decide whether or not it was a safe risk for them because I would never put any of them in harm's way. I, I can see that. Robin, we have just under a minute to go here. And, you know, I don't know if I would release the photo, the video. I really don't. Yeah, it, it's, it's really iffy, Dave, because if you could, my thing would be if it was going to make a benefit to help the Sasquatch so that people would know more about them and learn about them and believe in them, then I would do it. But if it's not going to be of a benefit, I wouldn't do it because I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I care about them. It's never been about me. It's always been about them from the get-go, you know, and just like with the the shows, as soon as they tell me to quit talking about them, I'm done. They're the ones that wanted me to come forward. And it's the same in the video. If there's something that can be learned from them that would make it easier for our people to accept their people, I would do it. You always want to check your camera because there's a little thing inside your film and your photos that actually has a location key in it. And you can turn that off on your camera so that that's removed. Robin McRae, everybody. Another great cryptid report. Robin, we'll talk to you next week. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, it's Dave 101 night. Probably something paranormal. And after that, the strange (laughs) news of the week. We'll be right back for the final half hour. Right on, Robin. Thank you. Okay. No problem, sweetheart. I'll see you next week. Take care. Love you guys. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Robin McCray, everybody. Let's see what dirty filth has going on here. <clears throat> October 1800 hours. Okay. Live dance. Human thing. Human what? Human fingers, Dave. Okay. That's what aliens eat. Very nice. Very nice, dirty filth. Another masterpiece. It's going to be an entire comic here. The only way you're ever going to see it get made live is if you watch Based Out Radio, Dave. Yes, finger food. Holy smokes, Dave. It's getting laid. I'm going to have to. You're a late night kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Usually I'm crushed by cats at this point in time. I don't even have my jammy jams on yet. Non-human confirmation thinks that human fingers may be the best, or what he read was the Mayans and Aztecs thought they were tasty. It's like chicken feet 
I don't think there's very much meat on human fingers. Unless you're eating a giant. True. And if you can beat up a giant and cook him and eat him, all the power to you. Yes, those dastardly glowing balls. Steamed oysters. I prefer I, I prefer steamed hams. Delicious steamed hams. Okay, Dave. I'm gonna go and give the cats some snacks and hit the sack. Are you leaving us? Yes. All right, dirty filth. Thank you for a great. You gonna be okay, Dave? I'll get over it. I'll I'll send you a picture of Blob later. Please do. I'm a Blobbert fan. She's a good girl. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night, dude. You take care. Dirty filth, everybody. Another great cartoon at the hands of Dirty Filth. It's always a good night when he comes on, isn't it? got uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Thank you to Shaq, Jenny, Cat Chaser, and Kira for the Super Chats. Let's have some fun coming up here, shall we? We rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, 
We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by signing up for the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the week where I yell at each and every one of you to get off my lawn. It's the Dave 101. just a couple of weeks away from Halloween and every year I feel like I gotta make this statement at Casper we love all things sleep so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers well everything save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at casper.com or a store near you through October 24th exclusions apply see casper.com promo Experience the joy of home sweet hosting with help from Ashley. Get your home ready for company with guest approved essentials now starting at just $9.99.99. And right now you can save on accessories store wide to finish every look. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only. Visit your local Ashley store to shop and save today. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery required. See store for details. I don't care if a kid is one year old or 20 years old. You come to my house on Halloween night in a costume, you're getting some candy. Every year we hear people whine and complain at teenagers and those who are a little bit older coming to their door and saying trick or treat. And then you get some old biddy out there who's like, my, aren't, aren't you a little bit old to be trick-or-treating? Let's look at the facts here. Those 15 to 20-year-olds, they could be out drinking. They could be out partying. They could be out causing some mischief. They could be carrying guns. They could be carrying knives, weapons, looking to cause a little bodily harm to someone who's unexpected. But instead, instead, they choose to trick or treat. And the thing that I don't understand about this argument, okay, is when you see somebody bring up their cute little one-year-old in a dinosaur costume or a ghost costume, okay, that looks so fluffy and cute and their pudgy cheeks are out and they maybe have like four teeth in their mouth, who's eating their candy? It sure as hell ain't them. No, it's the parents. So you're willing to give the parents of a cute toddler free candy, but a kid who just wants to have fun who's a teenager, who shows up in your house to say trick-or-treat, you're going to scold them by saying, aren't you a little old for this? No, that's not how it works in Dave's world. Not at all. And let me tell you why. 
Halloween is one of those nights where if you do it right, outside of going to the bars where for some reason there's so many slutty costumes in there that I don't understand what people are trying to be, both male and female, and the non-binaries. But there's something genuine and true and fun about seeing the costumes come to your house. Now, I live in a rural area. I'm lucky if I get five people to my house, if that. But when I lived in the city, I would have to prepare for two to 300 kids to come to my door. And I didn't care if they were 1, 11, or 18. They were getting some candy. They were getting some candy. Why? Because I like to look at the alternatives. What what could they be doing to bastardize a great night? Shooting fireworks at people. And believe it or not, Roman candles do hurt. They can scar you. They can burn you. No, instead of shooting Roman candles at people in cars and doors and houses, they're trick-or-treating. Shame on them for trying to have a little bit of fun. And it doesn't matter whether the child has health issues and maybe is mentally younger than what their age is or whether they are an honor student getting ready to graduate. Give the kids some respect and give the candy. Because I tell you, I have a bigger problem with the new parents of a one, two-year-old who are not going to allow their child to eat the candy than I do with the teenager who comes to my door and decides, instead of being a hooligan, I'm going to put on a costume and have some fun and therefore punishing them for having a good night. What happened to toilet paper and egging houses? I don't know. That's passe now. It's beyond. But if you live in an area where fireworks are still allowed, like my place, okay, it kind of goes like this. You go out trick-or-treating, you get home about 8 o'clock, you warm up for a couple of minutes, and then get outside the cold again. Hopefully it's not snowing. And then you go light off about 30 minutes worth of fireworks that you just blew your last paycheck on. That's the way it is. So do me the favor, okay? And when you're having kids come to your door and you are gushing over the little cute ones that show up where you know that their parents are carrying their bag because the kid can't even walk, because the kid's too young, should be asking their parents, are you eating this candy or is the baby? We already know the answer. But to me, I don't really care. One years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. You got a costume, you come to Dave's house, you're getting some candy. That's the way it works. Okay? And if your costume's really good, I might dig into Davy's liquor cabinet to pour you a proper drink rather than having to deal with a chocolate bar or a sucker. Yeah, little shot of tequila never hurts anybody around Halloween, especially if you're walking around the neighborhood or one of them 
nice warm spiced coffees. That's always good. And here's the other thing about Halloween that I want to forewarn you about. I don't know if I buy this whole, the veil is thinner stuff. Okay. Even I have my limitations on the woo. Okay. I do. I hate to say that, but there are some woo that I just do not understand or maybe appreciate enough. But if you're one of these, you know, people where every month or every October you bring out the old Ouija board or grandma's tarot cards, be careful with what you're doing. You don't need old Beelzebub coming to the house and destroying things because you forgot to close the door to the other side. Yep, there's a lot of Halloween tough people out there when it comes to the paranormal world. Everybody wants to get scared. Everybody wants to have an experience. Everybody wants to say they got a new story for the following year. But they don't know what the hell they're doing. Look, this this is real stuff here. You don't have to believe it, okay? You may think it's all hokey. You may think that it's all fake. You may be out there thinking that, hey, you know, Parker Brothers made this damn board. But be careful. There's reality to messing around with the paranormal. I almost said another bad word there. Okay. There is issues that can happen with that. And are you prepared to handle those issues because you want to have a little bit of spooky fun? Okay. It's not worth it. If you don't know what you're doing with the paranormal, don't mess around with it. It's not something that is kosher to those of us who actually have to deal with hauntings on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. It does happen that way. I've been attacked by ghosts. It isn't fun. It isn't fun when you all of a sudden lose control of your body and you are dry heaving because you cannot barely breathe because some spirit is attached to you. It's not a good feeling when spirit is upset with you or something that somebody has done around you and takes it out on you because they know they know all too well they do and they don't care if those spirits know their own powers on the other side they really do not care whether or not you or anybody else is going to be affected by them all they know is they're going to attack and they're going to get pissed off and they're going to do something about it. Talk about ghosts yelling at you. Get off my lawn. My goodness. Take the paranormal seriously. Don't care if you're skeptic or whether you're a believer. Don't go running around graveyards. Okay. Number one, that's for the dead. Keep their places nice. Don't go ruining, pushing over headstones, trying to get spirits acting up, because that's just classless. If you want to find ghosts, guess what? I'm going to give you a big hint. They're everywhere. 
They're not just in a cemetery. They're not in an abandoned building that's behind a fence that you got to break into. Okay? They're not in your museum. Well, they are in your museum, but you don't have to go to your museum. You don't have to go to a building that looks freaky or creepy. You don't have to find the local witch to take you through a seance. You can find ghosts anywhere. But before you find them ghosts and you decide that you're going to take this amateur ghost hunting a little bit further, do you know the consequences? Do you know how to take a spirit out of yourself if it attaches to you? Okay? This is why I give paranormal. Experience the joy of home sweet hosting with help from Ashley. Get your home ready for company with guest approved essentials now starting at just $9.99.99. And right now you can save on accessories store wide to finish every look. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only. Visit your local Ashley store to shop and save today. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery required. See store for details. Order like a saint at Raising Cane's with tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade. You can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Official chicken finger of the Saints. Team, such a hard time. Because believe it or not, the majority of them don't know anything. And then when they get freaked out or overwhelmed because they're in way over their head, they run away. And they never come back. Yep, the paranormal is filled with people. And this is a type of year and time of year where all of a sudden everybody becomes a paranormal expert. The paranormal is real. Once again, I know I've said that a couple times before. You have to be able to treat it with some respect. It's that fine respect that you have for those who are on the other side or those in another dimension that is going to tell you whether or not you're going to be safe. Would you run into the middle of a tornado? Category five? Well, it's the same thing. You don't know what you're dealing with with the paranormal. I would say a tornado would be safer. Now, that's a long shot. But nonetheless... If you are willing to mess with a tornado and jump into it, then you might as well jump full speed into the whole area of ghost hunting. Look, I'm not trying to scare you away from this topic. Ghost hunting can be fun if you take it seriously, but not overtly seriously where you actually think that you're going to solve none of life's mysteries. Oh, my God, a Ghost communicated with me. We've got evidence. What are we doing with that evidence? Nothing. Because that's all ghost teams ever do with their evidence. Nothing. Such a disappointing world. Look, I like ghost hunting. It's fun. It's great when you get answers. It's great when you get a little spooked out at times. It's great when you see things move or hear voices that shouldn't be there. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. You can enjoy it too, as long as you know how to control your environment. Learn to control 
how to be safe. So if you're thinking about doing ghost hunting this year, or you think you want to give yourself a different adventure because, well, it is the month of Halloween, whether you believe in it or not, try and be safe out there and learn the safety protocol so you don't get hurt. And damn it, give those teenagers candy at your door when they come and say trick-or-treat. And that is your Dave 101 for this week. Let me know what you think. If you're on YouTube watching this, I want you to leave a comment down below. Let me know what you think. And now it's time for the news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Pooh's News. All right, we're heading to Wisconsin. No, we're not talking about cheese. Wisconsin Republicans want to make it a crime to be naked in public for any reason and for a child to attend any event like a naked bike ride where people don't have clothes on. A state Senate committee held a hearing Thursday on two bills introduced after a photograph circulated earlier this year of a child who attended a naked bike ride. The picture outraged some Republican lawmakers because they've never seen themselves naked themselves. So this also includes Tom Tiffany, who questioned Attorney General Merrick Garland at a congressional hearing last month about what he was going to do about it. It's kind of a joke, but it's not a joke, the bill's lead sponsor, Republican Senate President Chris Kapenga said. This is a pretty serious event, especially in today's society. The World Naked Bike Ride has been happening in cities across the world for more than 20 years. The events are meant to encourage body positivity and to promote cycling as a form of transportation that lessens the dependence on petroleum. Well, I don't know if this law is good or not. I'm going to say this as a parent. You may think different. I really don't want my son seeing other people naked. I really don't. I don't want to answer the questions. I want him to be a kid as long as he can. But that's just me. Fake it until you don't have to make it. Female frogs apparently are going into drastic measures to escape unwanted attention from aroused male counterparts looking to breed. This all comes in a new study, and the savvy amphibians are apparently faking their deaths to avoid particular sexual interactions. Dr. Carolyn Dietrich, who co-authored the study of importance of whether or not frogs are getting laid or not, because that makes a difference in society, says, It was previously thought that females were unable to choose or defend themselves against this male coercion. Uh, feel like I'm being mansplained here about frog sex. She goes on to say, the study that was published in the Royal Society of Open Science explains the female European common frogs have to deal with an explosive mating event and may not be as passive as helpless as previously thought. In other words, let the lady frogs play bingo. They're not interested in the frog male hormones. The researchers initially attempted to determine whether male frogs prefer a particular female body size, 
specifically whether they were opted for females with bigger bodies because frogs like big butts so they cannot lie to other frogs they can't deny. Like so many men, male frogs were not discerning and welcomed any and all females, no matter the size. Good for them. Good for them. Absolutely no lack of testosterone there. I'm just going to cut this story off right here. Why are we wasting money on crap like this? Seriously. There have been some stupid grants given out over the years. This is one of them. Reminds me of the other one in the U.S. somewhere a few years ago where they got a $300,000 grant for this university to see how mountain lions react while walking on a treadmill. Can't make this stuff up, people. And we're sending our kids to university for crap like this. A flight from Guadalajara to Mexico City has been delayed, and it was for more than two hours. Why? Plane had a mosquito infestation on board. Yeah, the plane was scheduled to depart 4.30 local time, but was delayed when the flight's crew and passengers attempted to get rid of the insects. All they had to do was feed it plane food. Video recorded by passengers showed the mosquitoes being swatted and sprayed with bug spray by flight attendants. Passengers aboard the flight said the mosquitoes dissipated once the lights were turned off in the passenger compartment. Should have just brought the lady frogs in. They weren't getting any action anyways. Yeah. Mosquitoes. I don't know what you do about that. Really don't. What else do we got here? Well, apparently an honor roll student who was blasted by her high school principal for the way she danced at a private homecoming after party has got an apology. 17-year-old Kaylee Timonette, senior at Walker High School in Louisiana, was punished by her principal after he saw a video online of her having a good time at a party after the school's homecoming dance. The video, which has since been deleted, reportedly showed the teen dancing behind a friend who was twerking. Oh my gosh. And that's his business away from school. She deserved an apology, don't you think? We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars. Wherever you may be, thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter, or X, at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home.
Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them too. Good night. Experience the joy of home sweet hosting with help from Ashley. Get your home ready for company with guest approved essentials now starting at just $9.99.99. And right now you can save on accessories store wide to finish every look. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only. Visit your local Ashley store to shop and save today. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery required. See store for details. It's Chevy truck season, and with a Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With a Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains, or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and the choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer.